I'll give you another interesting thing that people don't reflect on. We ache to have them on our shows. We ache to debate them, but they won't debate us and they won't come on our shows and they won't us have us on their shows. I have offered tens of thousands of dollars to any left-wing columnist on the New York Times to debate me anywhere they want. They could choose the moderator. They could choose the audience. And serious money, and that's 99% of the New York Times columnists are, are leftists. Maybe right. there are three that are not non-left. Uh, but they would never do it. I ache to debate them. I would raise $100,000 probably. I could probably raise that to have Ta-Nehisi Coates or Ibram X. Kendi debate Larry Elder. Okay? It would end the career of Ta-Nehisi Coates or Ibram and X. Kendi. And they know that. They would be regarded as the moral and intellectual frauds that they are. Yeah. Larry would wipe the floor with them. The key to their success is not enabling us to have an audience. All right. A uh, friend of the show, Dennis uh, Prager, who, for the record, uh, I, would, uh, I would talk to for free. Uh, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a left-wing New York Times columnist. I would actually deny that there are any of those, but uh, I'm a left-wing columnist at a news venue. Uh, so arguably one that's even to the left of the New York Times. All right. Um, I am joined by uh, our super producer, Jake Appett. Uh, you need organizer by day, uh, podcast producer by night, uh, as well as by our premio graphic designer, uh, Jay Ed World, um, who anybody who uh, who watched the post game last episode knows is uh, he's, he's not broadcasting from there yet. is uh, is now a homeowner, so you know he's, he's probably going to be sliding to the right very quickly here. But uh, in any case. Uh, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about Dennis Prager because that is just a you know that is just a remarkable claim. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of two aspects of that claim, right? One is that he's conflating liberals with leftists, probably on purpose. Uh, but I kind of I think there are liberal uh, pundits who would sure. be down to debate him. And I oh, mean, yeah. I just want to say, like, I think it would be bad for the left uh, if I were to go and debate someone on, on his podcast because I'm not really a strong debater. But if I was paid anywhere, basically anything, I would I would go on that show. <laughs> and I think there's a, I think most most leftists would, could use like fifty thousand dollars. So uh, <laughs> I, I'd be happy to ruin the left. I don't care. Ruin my career. I, that that was my career making a hundred thousand dollars on the Prager show. Fair enough. Eddie, how much uh, how much would you take to debate Jadis Prager? Uh you know, you know, that actually sounds pretty good. And then I can just not uh, worry about being on screen ever again and just work on my art. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Dennis tweeted this out. Uh, or Prager U, I should say, you know, the, the institution of higher learning that bears his name, uh, tweeted uh, tweeted this out. Uh, this this clip of him saying that he aches to debate leftists, but they uh, they won't uh, they won't come on a show. You know, his his ache remains unrelieved. Um, and there were a couple things. You know, well, I will say, of course, because you know it is as the late Michael Brooks would put it, a core brand proposition for us that. Uh, you know, we, we can't kind of not respond to that, right? So, so we had a little response. I, I quote tweeted, uh, I quote tweeted Dennis, say hi at Dennis Prager. I'd be delighted to uh, chat with you either on my show at GTA Show, or you could host it through at Prager U, or I'm sure at Modern Day Debate or some other neutral platform. Be happy to host it. Your call. 
But if you truly anti leftist, let's set this up. That's barely even snarky. That is just a straightforward, um, you know, that is just a straightforward acceptance. Yeah, it's it's a, a little bit in the last sentence. It's a little bit in the last sentence. But, uh, you know, up until then, right, it is just a straightforward acceptance of the invitation. I was not the only one, right? Let's 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 put it like that, right? There, there were... Um, you know there were quite a few other takers uh, as soon as they uh, as soon as they they tweeted out that clip. Uh, I know um, you know Sam Cedars guest a couple episodes back. Um, um, in fact, I think had you know a tweet that had many more uh, many more likes and RTs than the uh, than the original Prager one said. Yeah, let's do it, man. Uh, and uh, then he clarified that you know he's not quite prominent enough leftist or something like that. You know, there's a, it's a, you know, there's something interesting. <laughs> what? How have you diagnosed that? Uh, and, uh, but it seems like you know, it seems like uh, Dennis's dance card could be kept pretty full, right? Talking to people on the left who want to talk to him. Um, you know, I mean, I, I have like, you know, pretty much if you know a leftist who likes to do debates with right wingers, they probably, they probably expressed that, you know, over the weekend, uh, on Twitter, uh, to, in response to that Prager you tweet, but, uh, there's, there's something that's, I think in a way, um, well, okay. So I should say that's one interesting follow up. There's another little part two to this, which is that, um, uh, our old friend uh, Jordan B. Peterson, uh, formerly of the University of Toronto, uh, also uh, also quote tweeted this. Uh, and uh, so uh, the tweet itself, if you listen to this in the podcast later, it's just PragerU, and the text is just they won't debate us, and then it's that exact clip that we just showed. And uh, Jordan Peterson quote tweeted it to say cowards. And uh, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing this yet. I, right. I have to admit this is not a word that I commonly use. Montebanks. I, it's not one that's uh, in my vocabulary. Uh, I know uh, I, I would ache if I had to uh, try to uh, work that into a sentence. It's it's <laughs> tough when you're dealing with like intellectual titans, like, Poole and Peterson and their terminology is just beyond, you know, what uh, a lay person could even uh, aspire to. <laughs> yeah, no, fair. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, so, of course, this is pretty... Oh, good, oh, good, okay. I, I, I pronounced it correctly. That's a, that's a load off. Uh, now I just start saying that all the time, right? You know, they're like every every person we talk about today, I'm like, all right, let's get the next Montebank <laughs> clip on here. Uh, also, you can use Montebankery. Expect a lot okay. more Montebankery on uh, tonight's show. We're going to get, we have a lot more yes. stuff. It means yeah, a person who deceives others, especially in order to trick them out of their money, a charlatan. Um, historical, a person who sold patent medicines in public places. Ah, all right, all right. Uh, which I've got to say sounds like a fair description of uh, Jordan Peterson, but uh, he is, in this case, accusing others of Mount of Um And this is very funny, I, I think, for a few reasons, right? So... Um, 
and it's, it's like to the point where it's a little hard to know where to start, right? Let me let me just let me just start with this. This is like old stuff. I don't have like tweets for this, but let's uh, uh, go all the way back to uh, the year of our Lord, two thousand eighteen. Um, if you can, you know, do like the you know the old movie flashback thing where like, the music that was added in two thousand eighteen starts playing and it's a little misty, you know. Uh, so in two thousand eighteen. Um, Another former guest of the show, um, Richard Wolf, uh, publicly offered uh, to uh, to to have a discussion with uh, with Jordan Peterson. Uh, Peterson said no. Uh, you know, you can watch a you know back when I was doing uh, weekly videos from the Zero Book YouTube channel, 2018, 2019. Uh, I did one about this uh, where where I played the clip of. Uh, Peterson said that he would not debate Richard Wolff basically because um, you know he equates Marxism with uh, like the crimes of Stalin and Mao and thinks that you know just as national socialism should be you know excluded from you know the debate that Marxism should be also and so since Wolff calls himself a Marxist you know that this he should be you know exiled from polite society so he's not willing to talk to him. So de he deplatformed him. Yeah, 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 very, kind of, yeah, right. I mean, he's he's he thinks that we should be canceled. Yeah, we uh, um, we're, we're guilty of uh, platforming uh, Professor Wolf on our show. That's uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, repeatedly. Uh, we have repeatedly platformed Professor Wolf uh, despite his various crimes. But yeah, um, now this is pretty funny because he got over uh, his um, his belief that all Marxists are Stalinists, which is which is the same thing as being a Nazi. Uh, he got over that to debate um, another of our former guests, uh, Slavoj Žižek, um, and um, which honestly is funny in many ways because if anything, you know, um, you know I love Slavoj. Uh, he he's he's one of my favorite guests. Uh, he's one of my favorite people. He's 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 awesome, right? You know, like 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 he, I I just got to. You know, spent some time with him in person when I was in the UK, and you know, he's very entertaining. He's like, you know, it's a lot like the way he is on YouTube, but like a lot more swearing. Uh, and um, you know, he's wonderful. But like, also of the two of them, right, Wolf and Zizek, um, Wolf is the one who like spends more time talking about stuff like the importance of democracy, and you know how what he advocates is different than the the sort of you know flawed version of you know state socialism, you know that existed in the USSR and stuff like that, right? I mean, like he makes a much sharper distinction just because you know Slavoj is the kind of you know he's the kind of like continental philosophy kind of intellectual who sort of right you know revels in ambiguity and contradictions or whatever so it's like he's just not going to come down that sharp on that stuff right so given that right it's hilarious that he was willing to do Zizek uh but not Wolf um you could speculate uncharitably maybe about why what the difference might be um and I do that in, uh, in canceling comedians I, I I do speculate uncharitably about that uh I that uh, you know, because you know, I mean, Zizek's a much bigger draw, right? I mean, this this like uh, they said the guy who was introducing them at the beginning of that debate said they were selling um, that scalpers were selling tickets uh, to uh, to Zizek Peterson for more than they were selling Maple Leaf tickets, right? You know, this is um, 
you know, guy's a huge draw, according to a uh, not ironic friend of the show, Russ Abriglia, uh, who, you know, who I talked to about this, um, you know, back in 2020, uh, you know, Slavoj donated his half of the proceeds to this charity for indigenous Canadians. And, you know, Peterson, uh, Russ believes did not. Uh, so, you know, you, you can, you know, you know, you can speculate that there's an element of Montebankery here. Uh, but um, in any case, uh, this happened in 2019, G.J. Peterson. And I think it was widely understood to not go well for, for Peterson, that uh, that he famously blanked out uh, when he was asked to name the postmodern neo-Marxist. He, he couldn't do it, right? He, um, uh, and um, in general, I mean, even like if you go look at like the Jordan Peterson Reddit, you know, like from like the post for the next day, you know, I think his fans weren't quite sure what they just said. Uh, and so this might help to explain why more recently Peterson has been very, very, um, like every once in a while the impulse strikes him to talk to a leftist again and then he kind of thinks better of it, right? So we've got an example here. Uh, so do we have his uh, his call-out tweet of um, yet another former guest, Nathan Robinson? All right. Uh, so this is uh, Jordan Peterson. Sorry, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, you, you always know that people are smart when they have the doctor has to be part of the, the Twitter profile. Yes. And the B uh, obviously stands for Montebank, but the B is capitalized. <laughs> yeah, it's just capitalized in the middle of the word, yeah. Um, so uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, November 3rd, 2021. He's quote-tweeted somebody who's talking about Nathan's article, uh, The Intellectual We Deserve, uh, which was uh, you know basically this like one of the really early kind of like 10,000 words sort of take down essays about Peterson back in 2018 and Peterson is still bothered by it. We've, uh, you know, we actually watched one of those clips, uh, a clip of Peterson talking about that. One of the last times Nathan was on the show. So uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson says what Nathan Robinson does not understand, bucko, is, <laughs> is not by definition gibberish at Nathan J. Robinson. And anytime said Mr. Robinson, which, I love that location, the said Mr. Robinson. That reminds me of like the way Charlie starts talking when he's about to start talking about bird law, right? You know, that's the, you had a said law says, you know. Um, and anytime said Mr. Robinson uh, wants to find out what those diagrams, he's talking about the gibberish diagrams from Maps of Meeting, mean I'm available and we'll just see, and we'll see just what's gibberish and who is spouting it. Okay, so. Sounds like he's going to do it, huh? Um, like, it sounds like he's making a very direct offer that he's going to do it, right? It's not just like, you know, when we got excited because he accidentally referred to me as the best of the left because he, uh, he, he read a tweet of an article that he didn't read and he, you know, uh, misinterpreted it. So he, uh, you know, he referred to me as the best of the left. Uh, and I said, well, if I'm the best of the left, you should have no objection to having a conversation. And that never happened. Um, that was summer of 2021. It's November 2021. He's making the offer. Fast forward to this weekend after the Cowards and Montebanks tweet, and we have these screenshots provided by Nathan himself. Or do we have them? All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, so there's actually a second tweet 
I, I missed, sorry. Uh, this is a week after the first one uh, where um, uh, it's a quote tweet of Glenn Lowry talking about um, uh, his, uh, his conversation with Nathan Robinson and how good the conversation was. Um, and, uh, you know, Glenn Lowry is a pretty conservative guy. So, you know, shows, shows that, you know, you should think this is good proof concept. And in the QT, uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson says, maybe at Nathan J. Robinson wants to talk to me. So second call out to which Nathan responds, would love to do this DM or email Nathan at currentaffairs.org and we can set it up. Should be a spirited and clarifying conversation. Sounds good. Next uh, screenshot. All right, so Nathan has waited a couple weeks, you know, I think this is about three weeks, actually, uh, after that first uh, that first Twitter interaction. Uh, I, I think I actually remember encouraging him to follow up on it because I really want to see this happen. And he says, hello, my name is Nathan J. Robinson, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Current Affairs Magazine. Professor Peterson recently admitted on Twitter that he'd be interested in speaking with me, and I would like to try and arrange that if possible. I'm someone who, as he knows, has sharp disagreements with his work, but the conversation would be respectful. And I think many people would enjoy seeing this kind of engagement with a critic. I'm just going to pause here and say, it's fucking Nathan Robinson. I don't know how disrespectful um, Peter, you know, I mean, Nathan's going to like break a chair over him or something. That's, I, I don't think so, right? Um, I am someone, okay, uh, I think many people enjoy seeing this kind of engagement with a critic. Uh, Would he be available for a conversation? It would appear in audio form in the Current Affairs podcast, a video on our YouTube channel, and then to be transcribed before our print magazine. I'm happy to accommodate his schedule, which I know will be packed. I would like to try to get a decent amount of time, because I think it takes a while to hash out disagreement in a thorough way. Thank you, Nathan J. Robinson, Current Affairs. All right, next. January 31st, second email. Hello, following up on this request. Thank you, Nathan. So, um, kind of sounds to me like, um, like Dr. Jordan B. Peterson thought better of it. It's like he ghosted him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just kind of funny, right? Because it's like, after all this, right? If you had repeatedly challenged somebody to talk to you, in November. And then in November, December, and January, right, they make three attempts to take you up on it and then you ghost them. I would maybe not be QT the uh, leftists don't want to debate with the cowards, <laughs> cowards and buttonbags, right? You know, I would think, I don't know, maybe he forgot. Um, make that what you will. Okay, I want to move on. Uh, so I should say uh, in a few minutes, maybe 15 minutes, depending on how long this takes, uh, we are going to have our main guest on for today, uh, who is um, Matt Leck, uh, who, uh, of course, is a producer of the Majority Report, is the co-host of the uh, Left Reckoning podcast, uh, one of our favorite uh, left podcasts. It's not this one. Uh, and... Um, and he is being brought on because of a debate that I'm doing uh, this Saturday at the Minds event uh, at the Beacon Theater in New York City. Um, the uh, we have, I believe, we have the uh, the link to that in the uh, description for the episode. So I am going to be arguing with these three people. Uh, so it's going to be there are three panels. The first one is Coleman Hughes and Cordell West. I think it might be also Barbara Kimberly. Second one is Destiny, a bunch of right-wingers. Uh, third one is 
So the last one of the evening is me, James O'Keefe, Tim Poole, and Tulsi Gabbard. Um, so I thought, hey, who do I know who knows a lot about all three of these people? Uh, and that would uh, that would be my good friend Matt Leck. So he is, uh, yes, the Matt Leckian media universe. Uh, and uh, so he is going to come on to provide expert testimony on the three of them and, uh, you know, watch some clips with me. And uh, it should be, uh, should be a really good time. I should say uh, we are not doing a philosophy segment today. Uh, Jen is fine. Uh, we just, um, you know, it's, it's just a busy time and we, we couldn't pull together something good for you tonight. So we're going to hold off until next episode. Uh, but uh, we are going to be uh, be going through those three people, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Tim Poole, and James O'Keefe, uh, with um, with Matt Leck as the main attraction tonight. Uh, so yeah, no philosophy segment, but like last week, kind of the entire main show was one big philosophy segment, so I don't feel too bad about it. Um, you know, there are different food groups for this show, and you know, this is uh, this is definitely... Uh, another one, right? There's philosophy, but there's also stuff like this. Uh, and um, and then in uh, the uh, that I believe we're going to do a toast uh, with uh, with Matt for the uh, election results in Columbia, which are very exciting. We will get to that. Um, and then the post game, we're going to be joined by uh, the People's Economics Professor uh, Rob Larson. Uh, and what I you know brought on Rob for that we're going to be doing the post game for GTA patrons, patreon.com slash Ben Burgess. If you want to sign up now, uh, five bucks a month. Um, so the post game for patrons, uh, we are uh, going to be watching uh, some stuff. Well, part of this went, went like v- extremely viral over the weekend. Uh, this is our good friend and also former guest of the show, uh, Crystal Ball uh, on um the show of somebody who has never been on Give Them an Argument, maybe one day who will, uh, Bill Maher, uh, and, uh, and she's explaining some things about inflation and the Wall Street you know, bailout and other things to uh, Tamar, and it is very funny. It is very good stuff. I think uh, we might be getting a mildly tipsy Rob, but that's okay. That's sort of post-game appropriate. Uh, so, uh, we will, um, so we'll be doing that. But before we start, uh, before we have Matt on, I want to watch the first part of that crystal appearance on Bill Maher because that hasn't been getting quite as much attention as the economic stuff, which I understand why because the economic stuff is amazing. But uh, I do want to watch this. I should say uh, to set this up uh, that we have, um, like, I wrote a piece for the Daily Beast uh, about uh, about Bill Maher a couple months ago. Um, it's I didn't write the title. Uh, it's uh, Bill Maher hasn't changed. He's always been a cringe centrist. I don't use the word cringe as an adjective, but uh, uh, but I, I do stand by the sentiment right, that uh, Bill Maher has has always been this bad, uh, and that's what I I argue for in the piece. But to uh, research that, I obviously had to watch a lot of Bill Maher, as little much, and so I haven't actually subjected myself to like even a minute of his show since I wrote that article until this weekend. Um, on Friday night, which is when, when Crystal was on the show, I was uh, not watching TV. I was uh, I was actually doing an event in Baltimore at uh, Red Emma's worker-owned bookstore that has uh, been very good in promoting you know my books and Michael's book before that and all that stuff. We we love those guys. Um, 
So I was doing that, but then uh, actually on the flight back, I, I watched a bunch of the uh, the appearance, and then I finished it later. Uh, and it is it is outstanding. It it is worth breaking my my Bill Maher fast for. Uh, so um, I want to just um, go. Yeah, we'll just go right into this. So in the the first of the two clips we're going to watch right now, um, they're talking about the January sixth hearings and basically how we should think about the root causes of Trumpism and, and what it would take to sort of overcome that. And uh, what I'd like you to track as we're watching this, because Bill I think does a very good job of tracking this, is what he and Crystal are actually disagreed about and what they aren't. So let's, uh, let's get the, this first clip up in here. I'm going to talk about the hearings again at first, because I know we talked about it last week, but I don't care. It's the big, I, I still don't think people understand how giant this thing is. And to me, the headline was, they knew it. They all knew what they were doing was wrong, and they did it anyway. And here's the stat. 54% of people now in this country, people, the people, remember them, think Trump should be charged with a crime, including 20... One guy in our audience does. So that's another one. And including 21% of Republicans think he should be charged with the crime. I don't even know what we're doing this for if he's not. Uh, so the question that's in my mind is, gosh, if we only had some sort of justice department. Mm. Uh, but the committee says they will not refer this to the Justice Department. Why? Why isn't it moving into that realm? And if we don't, it will just happen again, no? I think that there is a fundamental lack of seriousness from the Democrats when it comes to solving the problems, not only that led us to January 6th, which I actually think is the deeper issue and the deeper question here, how did we get to a place where a good percentage of the country is convinced the election was stolen, where they would listen to this maniac, where they actually think that they're patriots storming the Capitol to restore democracy? How did we get there? And then you can see that they're not actually serious about how existential this threat is by okay. the fact that they are propping up candidates who believe this nonsense. I mean, in Pennsylvania, right. this is what's actually really scares me. But that's me. not really my question. I mean, yes, if a guy robs a liquor store, let's look into why he did that. But also, he needs to be arrested for robbing the liquor store. Let's well, look into why, what was in his mind, and like he was yeah. poor. Okay, and yes, totally, we should understand totally the consequences of this, and I think that Donald Trump is a menace, and he may have committed crimes. But let's think about the consequences of prosecuting a former president who might run again. You know, oh. Gerald Ford, I'm not saying Gerald Ford in 1975, you know, after what, 74, um, in the Watergate crisis, he did the right thing by pardoning Richard Nixon. You know, there was a long national nightmare and it ended. But, and I don't, and I, and I, I just think we have to be very did, careful about, about how we approach this. Nixon did not try to undermine democracy itself. He well, he, he was breaking he, the law. He, yes, he bro Trump broke I mean, the law. Here's a couple of things. So first of all, I, I actually have That's... no issue with Trump, Trump being prosecuted, and I have a lot of issue with elites being left unaccountable for the crimes that they commit, number one. Number two, that's not going to solve our problem. Do you think that Ron DeSantis is going to be way better than Donald Trump? Yes. He's I mean, not that's gonna my issue. He's not going to be the enemy yes, of I democracy do. in the same I, way I'd that I'd like Trump to answer is. that. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. So, uh... First thing to note here, uh, Bill Maher thinks that there's a big, important, I guess, moral distinction. Uh, there's, there's a that like Ron DeSantis is is not a enemy of democracy. 
the way that uh, that, that Trump did, right? Ron DeSantis is fine. He's just a regular Republican, I guess. Which, you know, I was saying actually on on um, Thursday night, you know, I just got into Baltimore. I I had uh, I had dinner with with one of the worker owners at Red Emma's, and we were talking about this. And I I, I kind of commented to this guy that I think the um, uh, I think that actually Ron DeSantis might be even more of a product, like even more pure a product of right wing Twitter than Donald Trump is, right? I mean, like every time there's some stupid little culture war freak out on the right, um, Ron DeSantis immediately like does a press conference and says he's like introduced it's oh my God, you know, there are like, you know, three video clips in the entire country in the last, you know, whatever, you know, 10 years of of uh, of a child, you know, going to see a drag show, you know, so so we need to, you know, we you know, we need to like pass a law. Right to make sure that that can't happen. Right, I mean, this is um, I don't I don't understand like what possible calculus would lead you to think that like Ron DeSantis is going to be let you know like if he were elected president would be like better somehow than Donald Trump. I mean, do, you, do you guys have a sense of that? Am I missing well, something here? Yeah, I guess the only thing is is like, do you think that if Ron DeSantis lost, would he try to stay? in power i mean he would definitely do it like a little bit like like bush you know what i mean but like he probably wouldn't do it like as much right that's my like well, I guess that's what uh, he's referring to and i understand yeah. like there's a specific stress that i do feel too of like oh if trump wins again is he just gonna declare himself dictator it's like it's a bit of it's like a very liberal stress in that like we're just worried about the the tip of the of the spear so to speak when everything is you know the underlying causes so i agree with crystal there but i guess that could be the difference yeah maybe i mean i think that the one one thing i'd point out i mean i do think that what's true is that desantis would be smoother about it right like that they that he wouldn't be like quite as out and open you know like this like oh yeah no i i would like you to do a coup for me please do a coup right you know like he's not going to be quite like that the way that like trump would be uh, he would be, you know, I mean, he would be smoother about it. Like, I mean, you mentioned Bush, right? I mean, the difference between Bush and Trump is that Bush actually succeeded in uh, getting someone to install him in office after he lost a Democratic election, right? Trump just whined a lot about the fact that nobody would do that for him. Well, if Trump's dad loved him, he would have bought him a Supreme Court like Bush's dad did. Fair enough. This is really, this is really on Fred Trump. Um, but, uh, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I just think, like, the difference between something like January 6th and Bush v. Gore is that, you know, Bush v. Gore was a lot more serious, right? I mean, like, January 6th was kind of like, well, he couldn't actually get a judge to uh, to to overturn the election for him. He tried, right? Many times he tried. But even the ones he appointed were like, lol, fuck no, right? You know, we're not going to do that for you. Like, what's in it for us? Uh, and... You know, I mean, as far like, I get that. Like, look, do I think it would? Do I think that Donald Trump would have any like moral inhibitions about just declaring himself like Augustus and he was going to rule for life? No, absolutely not. Right? I think that if like, I think that if he had some avenue to get away with that, I think he would. I think he would love it. Right? That's that. That's this. There's no. There's nothing about his character, right, that would stop him from doing that. What would stop him from doing it is he just doesn't have the capacity to to do it, right? I mean, like if if some of those big beautiful generals wanted to install him as president for life, you know, I'm, I'm sure he would say yes, right? You know, but like 
they don't like him. And even if they did like him, right? What what would be in it for them, right? I mean, why would they? It would also be incredibly destabilizing to to the system. I mean, this is the like right now what we've got going in America. These like kind of you know shitty half democratic elections and this very narrowly constrained political system and everything. I mean, from the perspective of the capital accumulation death machine, what we've got going now is great, right? I mean, like there is a from a chamber of commerce kind of perspective, there's absolutely no reason why you would mess with that for the sake of like this one dude's ego, you know, like, like I, so I, I, all right. All of which is to say that I think DeSantis would in fact be as bad as Trump, right? That's, that's my, that would be my take on it. I get that Trump is like a little bit more of a strange psychopathic child in a certain sense, right? That the DeSantis is. I also think in terms of like pushing, like really bad reactionary policies. I actually think DeSantis might be more effective than, oh, than yeah. Trump. No, no, no argument here. That's, uh, I mean, it's, you know, anything is possible in politics, but it seems like, sure. he, would be. It seems like he would be, right? Because uh, Trump would like overplay his hand and get sh- like shot down by courts, right? Like, like all the time. So, and, and I feel like DeSantis knows how the process of passing a bill works and Trump doesn't. Yeah, Trump, I think that, like, right, his staffers could literally tell him anything and he would just be like, oh, okay. You know, like, that's, um, no, sorry, it's a Tuesday. You know, there are no laws passed on Tuesday. Didn't you know that? I was like, oh, okay. You know, like, that's, yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Uh, Crystal's larger point I think she's making here is, like, there, like, the Democrats on the one hand really badly want to i mean what they want to do i mean the like half the reason they're doing these hearings right is they even in the midterms right they want to try to run on on like was trump a bad guy right like and and that's because that's their like winning issue they think um i don't think it's gonna work we'll see um but that's that's what they want to run on and you know i think the point the crystal's making is there's this huge tension between that and the fact that you know, supposedly they think Trumpism is this grave threat, but at the same time, there. I mean, this is not a conspiracy. I mean, there's lots of documentation. You can watch Dave David Dole did a uh, a video on this. The Rational National. You can look up the just look up Rational National Bill Barr uh, Crystal Ball, and he provides a lot of supporting documentation for this and a lot of her other claims. And it's like, yeah, this is the uh, you know this is um, it's called like the Pied Piper strategy. Right, you know, where like the Democrats will intentionally like will actually uh, throw support in the primaries to whoever they think the craziest Republican is, on the assumption that the craziest Republican will be easier to beat, which sometimes works and sometimes gets you President Donald Trump. Uh, you know, but um, in uh, but I think her point is like, look, if they're really worried about these especially crazy Republicans and the threat they pose, then you know, they wouldn't be doing this. Right. I mean, if there were, and, you know, and, and I think, and look, I mean, I wish Trump would be prosecuted for, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that like, I, you know, am not a lawyer. Right. Uh, but on the face of it. So, I mean, you could argue about whether he's actually legally or just morally responsible, but like, you know, all of the idiots who took him seriously, they had the book thrown at them, right? I mean, the the Q the Q shaman, right? You know, is like, despite being, you know, kind of mentally ill on the face of it, right, is serving a few years in prison right now, right? The 
So it's like all the people who you know followed him over the edge, right? They're they're getting the full force of the law, whereas the guy who like whipped them up to do it in the first place, right? By feeding them all this nonsense is is um, you know. I mean, is continuing to, you know, so I mean, if, if anybody's going to be punished, I would like it to be Trump in some way, right? I mean, if there's a, if there's a good legal way to do it. But I think her point is they're just not serious about it. Um, okay. Uh, I do want to get to Matt, so let's, uh, let's play the second clip. I don't know how you could say that because he's clearly modeled himself in the footsteps of Donald Trump. Ron, Ron I mean, you DeSantis, see the well, way that these he hasn't people shown, all He hasn't shown contempt for democratic. Pro- he hasn't shown footsteps. contempt for democratic he's, processes. He's like not certifiably insane. That too. That's a that great too. one to start <laughs> off with. Uh, you know what Ron DeSantis won't be doing? He won't be a poop tweeting every day. He won't be like having feuds with Bette Midler on Twitter. He's not an insane person. But I think you have to ask yourself the question, Bill, how did we get to this place? Well, we just Trump went through that. A, Trump is a symptom of a deep rot but in our society. he also January committed the crime. Yep. He robbed a, the liquor store. That's fine. That's, like, can we just... How do we, how do, if we actually care about these restoring are, democracy, let, how do we do that? These aren't, okay. aren't mutually exclusive. We can address the underlying causes that led to Trump and, if necessary, prosecute him for what he did. I'm, okay. I'm, I remain unconvinced that that's necessary, this... but they're two separate but, but things. If your question is why aren't Democrats doing that, I think they're not fundamentally serious about this because yes. you see the way that they're propping up well, but candidates who are, you know, this, all in nut jobs, you know, this as, argument as they that, could be. that you're making that we can't prosecute this guy for this serious crime that he committed because it would spark unrest or something. Uh, that's a very dangerous road to go down, and it's very faint-hearted, I think, and pusillanimous. I think using the but Justice Department, we have to, to process- be scared of what the criminals will do if we charge them with being it's criminals. The, the that president. can't. That's not really the I've, way to go. I've, I've covered, you know, banana republic-type countries. Well, now this is one. Well, there are there are a lot of banana republicans. This is true, in in our country. But using the justice system to prosecute your your political enemies, it's a very but they're, not, tricky... but they're not. It's not a political system p- problem. It's it's whatever party did this. I would be saying the same thing. What if what if somebody like Erdogan in Turkey did this? What if we were reading about Erdogan and we knew that he had threatened the life of his own vice president in that country? What if we knew that that vice president of Turkey had to be shuffled underground for five hours because the mob was after him? What if we found out that he called up the state of Anatolia? and said to the governor, I need you to find 11,000 votes in your state so that I can win this election. What, what would we be writing and thinking about Erdogan or the guy in the Philippines or anywhere who did things like the this? The State Department would be condemning it. Sure. What if, yeah. he, what if that guy still hadn't conceded the election as Trump still hasn't conceded yeah. the last election? Yeah, what I mean, would we be saying? I think you're 100% correct that... Oh, good. <laughs> Look, people should who commit crimes should be pr- charged with crimes. I just think it's a little delusional to oh, think great. that's going to fix the problem. Well, to, because to charge him with a crime? I mean, I, how do we? How does that fix the core problem of the rot in our society? implementing the justice. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm just saying. A, look, it's not a magic bullet. Here. Why would, we have to delve into how we got to this place in the first place? And so I would love to see asking, the same energy that's being applied to the January 6th commission. I'd love to see that energy to, say, the people who have rigged our system, the monopolists, but the price gougers, start, the Wall okay, Street okay. ghouls. Where is that okay. energy as well? Right, okay, well, that you're right. That should be in the mix, too. But your premise here that why should we 
prosecute people for crimes. I didn't what would say that... we shouldn't prosecute him. No, I said you said that, what don't, will that don't do? Don't think that that's going to solve the fundamental problem in our. Would society. you say that about uh, criminal justice in general? Of course, sure. Yeah. That it doesn't this solve is, the problem. This is a symptom. Of course, yes. It doesn't. That that is dealing with a symptom. Arresting of criminals the rot and putting society. them in jail I mean, does not help the problem massive, of crime. We have. This she should run for DA in San Francisco. <laughs> oh man! Wow, I, I, that is like the third time I've watched that clip, and uh, I have to throw up in my mouth a little bit every time I see it. Um, that is just astonishing. So there is a whole other thread. I mean, I will say to give Bill the only kind of deal I'll give him tonight. Uh, he's not nearly as much of a piece of shit as like the other guest, uh, James Kirchick, right? They uh, like. Uh, that guy's much worse, right? The because uh, and uh, the the you know, like the uh, the legal theory that that Kirchick is giving is that heads um, of state should be able to commit crimes because if if they're being prosecuted, presumably it's by the you know, Justice Department that comes next, and you can't do that, or else that's like politicization. And um, you know, I I think I think it's terrible that Ford parted Nixon. I think Nixon absolutely. Uh, should have should have gone on trial for and by the way, uh, what Nixon did right you know actually was very much undermining democracy right I mean he's he's uh, he's using um, you know I mean he's he basically having a little private uh, intelligence force uh, you know illegally spy on his political opposition and sabotage them and I mean that that is absolutely the kind of thing you should be prosecuted for uh, and that by the way the fact that he wasn't you know to reassure future presidents, you know, I mean, think about Iran-Contra, think about the CIA torture scandals under Bush, that they wouldn't be prosecuted either, right? I mean, like, if anything, like I said, I mean, if I, you know, <laughs> you know, if, if it were up to me, right, I would like the Justice Department to try to come up with a reasonable leak theory where they could prosecute Trump, but, like, also, like, that's not even as bad as those other ones, right? I mean, like, those other ones are even worse, and, uh, and they should absolutely all be prosecuted for that. That out of the way. Like, I think the bigger thing is just this. Like, okay, Bill Maher is supposed to be a liberal, right? I mean, what? Like, he's just he's reacted to the idea that locking people up doesn't call doesn't solve the root social causes of crime. Like, just by like just sort of like just this gibbering laughter. Like, that's uh, I, I don't even have anything like you know smart to say about it. I don't have anything funny to say about it. That's just gross. It is. I have a uh, quick story. I had a uh, friend from college. Uh, before he went into college, uh, him and a friend of his walked into a convenience store and his friend pulled out a sawed-off shotgun and murdered the guy behind the counter. Uh, my friend went to trial uh, as a, uh, you know, because uh, uh, he was uh, an, uh, uh, an accomplice in murder. Uh and, you know, and robbing this convenience store. And uh, he was fortunate enough to have a judge that gave him a chance. And his, uh, he had a choice, either go to college or go to jail. And he chose college, which is how I met him. Um, oh. And, uh, I, I, you know, and that completely, like, like uh, it wasn't just that. It was also just seeing his grandmother just destroyed by what he, you know, by, by him being an oh. accomplice to this murder. Um, you know, those things allowed him to turn his life around. Uh, and he is a much better person 
now because this judge gave him a chance. And I think we should have more, uh, you know, a, a, a uh, more therapeutic justice system in some ways. Uh, obviously, oh, totally. not everybody yeah. can be, you know, obviously George Bush is still going to like, you know, if he was given a chance, he'd still bomb, you know, countries uh, with an inch of their lives. So, you know, he's he's probably going to be in jail forever. You know, he could do his all his paintings in jail. No, I, mean, I, 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 think, I think like... Um... Well, it's a therapeutic I, setting for him. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I think, you know, I think maybe, you know, after a couple of decades, I think we could talk about, you know, some kind of release program. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And again, this is pretty basic stuff. I mean, like, this is not like some crazy radical socialist belief. I mean, this is just like, this is just like kind of like old fashioned, like left liberalism. Right. I mean, just, just like, yeah, just, just, just have, have some compassion to, to people who are, you know, uh, whose choices are shaped by social circumstances that's, that are entirely under their control and, and, and understand, I mean, even beyond compassion for them, just understand that like locking people up and throwing away the key is not actually an effective strategy for, for eliminating crime. Right. I mean, this like, I mean, the point I always like to make about this is like we don't even have to look ahead to like, you know, theorize about like you know, I don't know, fully automated luxury communism in the twenty third century. We could just look at like Norway right now, right? Norway right now has a way more liberal, humane criminal justice system than we do, right? Anders Breivik is eventually going to get out of jail if they don't change the law, right? But they have a way, way lower rate of violent crime. Why is that, right? Like, uh, I mean, unless you're going to go with the, you know, dumb shit explanation that there's something about Scandinavian genes and then, you know, I guess you have to find a way to explain away the Vikings, right? Then, like... If you watched The Northman yesterday, like I did, which is supposedly historically accurate other than, like, the, the mythology stuff, you would not believe that for a second. It was the most violent movie I've ever seen in my life. But anyway... Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? It's clearly there's no genetic explanation here. Clearly there's no cultural explanation here. The explanation is that it's, you know, in certain respects, a much more egalitarian society, right? I mean, there's a expansive welfare state, you know, built by, you know, socialist parties allied to strong unions, and, and there's just much less poverty, right? And so you, you have... You have much less street crime. I mean, that's this is not rocket science. And I think even Bill Maher knows that on some level. He completely changed the goalpost the second she said that wouldn't solve crime. He's like, oh, that wouldn't help crime. And I mean, Crystal's not, she's not saying like, you know, she's not even saying ACAB or like, you know, abolish prison. She said like, if you are uh, arrested, if you commit a crime, you should be arrested, but that doesn't solve everything. Yeah, and he just yeah, didn't yeah, talk- yeah, and he just didn't want to yeah, talk Yeah, clearly it doesn't doesn't address the underlying issue i mean we have an we have a fantastically unusually harsh criminal justice system in the united states and yet we keep still still keep having crime right i mean like this it which is exactly her point right when she's like yeah of course i would say the same thing about street crime right of course that doesn't address it but anyway um I'm probably just getting out my complicated feelings here as somebody who, who used to actually like bill Maher decades ago uh so um uh, i um uh, you know, confession is good for the soul, admit that. So uh, we are going to bring on Matt Leck uh, from uh, from Left Reckoning. Um, and uh, I think Jake is probably going to stick around for at least some of this. Uh, but uh, Andy, I will see you again at the end of the show. All right, sounds good. All right.
the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Leck. How you doing? Hey guys, good to be here. Yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Uh, so, uh, so I, I, as I kind of said at the beginning of the show, I, I brought you on today because um, I was I was thinking about this. Right, got to uh, got to do my. I'm in the middle of doing my, uh, you know, the Eye of the Tiger trading montage for uh, for Saturday, uh, and I uh, think, okay, who do I know who uh, who knows a lot about all three of these people? Uh, 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 Dulcie Gafford, Tim Pool, <laughs> James O'Keefe, and I thought, oh. Not does so yeah, much more than I would like to, I think. Um, <laughs> but yes, I do. I do. I do know quite a lot about all these people. Two of which, actually, I I mentioned right up top because um, I revisited these these uh, uh, in preparation. Is uh, two are subject of Timba on Toast uh, exhaustive video essays. Um, Timba's got like four part series on James O'Keefe, uh, which is very interesting, and a two parter on a Tim Pool. So I. Which is that's where pretty much all my knowledge comes from, actually. All right, well, well shoot, yeah, shoot me those links for sure. But, um, but I, I guess what would make sense to me would be to uh, to start, um, you know, because two of these three people I think have I'm trying to think how to put this right. The, um, um, you know, I think James O'Keefe is 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 comfortable with his identity as conservative. Um, and, uh, with, with Tim and Tulsi, it's more complicated. Uh, so I guess it would probably make the most sense to me to start uh, the relative left end, I guess, of the spectrum with, uh, uh, with, with Tulsi, um, since after all, uh, she, you know, she was a Bernie crowd in 2016. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The, she endorsed Bernie, which from the Brett Weinstein school of uh, qualifying as a leftist uh, is really, you know, uh, there's your diploma. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, and I, I will say, I remember when that people constantly bring that up about Brett in 2018. And I always said, okay, but as he endorsed Bernie in 2020, I'd like to, <laughs> you know, like see if that happens. Right? Like, Same with Tulsi, actually. Tulsi <laughs> yeah, did not no, endorse exactly. Bernie. Exactly. Oh, well, not only did she not endorse Bernie, she ran against him and endorsed Biden before Bernie had dropped out of the race. Um, That's right. So, uh, but I suppose you could say to to give her her due. I think, I think even on foreign policy, it's more of a mixed bag than many people realize. There are definitely some some skeletons rattling around in that closet, but. I think that uh, many of her foreign policy positions are decent, certainly much better than you know most conservatives would have. Uh, and yeah, she... I would say even relative, just to cut in there, like even relative yeah. to like the good, um, like say the Republicans that would vote against the Ukraine funding, for instance, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, probably even sure. better than those guys generally. I would say, even though like she's about as maybe um, as trustworthy. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I did. Uh, so what Matt is referring to there, we might actually still have this graphic from last week. I don't know, but I, I did a. Um, uh, so this is something that's come up um, a good bit in while we were on break uh, for uh, for this show uh, that um, there was a lot of discussion, uh, including, I'll say, another former guest of the show who I have a lot of disagreements with about things like this, uh, about 
how to kind of read those guys, right? The Republicans who who voted against the uh, the Ukraine funding. And so I wrote this article for Current Affairs. Uh, it was called something like the you know progressives congressional progressives need to do better on foreign policy. That doesn't mean Republicans are doves. Uh, where you know I have the hot take that you know like um, there are legitimate criticisms of like AOC, but like Josh Howley's worse, right? And and not just in general, obviously, but like uh, worse on foreign policy. That like he's yeah. a huge anti-China hawk, and you know, etc. Right? You know, there are the lots. Position of- on Israel Palestine for a lot of those folks is pretty revealing, I think. Right. Exactly. Uh, and then you can say even on domestic policy, um, she's she's got like a standard Democrat kind of position on healthcare. At least she did in two thousand and twenty. Uh, she started out supporting Medicare for all. Then she kind of did the same thing that most of the Democratic candidates did, where they, you know, basically said, "Well, okay, maybe not quite, but like public option." And they had like different rhetorical strategies for how to frame it. And hers was just to continue to say Medicare for all. But then, like, if you actually looked at it, it, it was like what she meant was just public option. Yeah, uh, I mean, still- she she followed the Elizabeth Warren. She's really like a, a like a Wario version of Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Um, right. Like she did the exact same, she felt the same hurdle, which is like that thing where the press is like, but you're going to take away people's, uh, what about these union folks? Healthcare, you're going to take away that. And Bernie's just like, yeah, a single payer system's the best system. And Tulsa's like, actually, no, that's a little bit anti-American. We don't want to be doing that. And, and, and it's like, this is, this is just what Warren is doing. And yet all of like the Tulsi fan. Anyway, I don't want to get started on that too. Much. No, I mean, that's no, exactly. No, right. I mean, it's, it's the same, but I mean, it's the same policy. Like, yeah, I mean, it's like Warren, in fact, wasn't even quite as bad, although Warren was, you know, I, I, I think Still, ended up. They both shift Bernie just from different sorts of you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. trajectories. Yeah. Totally right. I mean, I think that I think Warren was like sort of tried to outsmart herself and ended up saying some pretty goofy things that didn't really make sense that we're going to do these like this two stage thing where we're going to have like two massive overhauls, of the American healthcare system back to back and uh, totally believe the second one's coming, you know? Uh, and then ever, but like Tulsi is just, I mean, she wasn't even doing that. Right. I mean, she wasn't even saying, Oh, someday we'll have Medicare for all. Right. She was saying, she was saying exactly. I mean, it was the mayor Pete thing, right. Medicare for yeah. all who wanted it, which is just yeah. a, you know, of course, as we all know, is just a way of saying we're going to have a two tier healthcare system for, you know, for uh, rich people, and the rest of us. Um, but, Okay, so she has some vaguely leftish positions on different issues. On the other hand, uh, Chick, do we have the the Fox News clip of uh, of Tulsi? This is the one from the Five. I think it's the last one I gave you. Voters in San Francisco last night sent a big message on public safety, recalling Progressive District Attorney Chesa Boudin after major public outcry that his approach on crime was too lenient on criminals. Now, Boudin is blaming the right for his loss. People are angry. They're frustrated. And I want to be very clear about what happened tonight. The right-wing billionaires outspent us three to one. They exploited an environment in which people are appropriately upset. And they created an electoral dynamic where we were literally shadow boxing. <laughs> Sounds like a bunch of excuses to me. The results, the people's voices were heard, and it sent a very clear message that even the most left-leaning cities are fed up with surging crime rates. 
She's giving off a real like, are we the baddies vibe? You know, <laughs> like it's uh, just aesthetically, it's very, uh, seems very evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's like the real bottom drawer of just like fascist propaganda, where it's like the the repeat image of a mother getting hit by a car with her infant. Like, then this guy doesn't. He likes this, I think. Actually, he likes. <laughs> I mean, you could just tell. Like, he said billionaires, but look at this mother getting hit by a car. It's like, oh my god. And you yeah. know, that's it's not like. I mean, people also should know a little bit about the genesis of Tulsi. Like, I, I'm old enough to remember. I remember like uh, doing um, like like talking with Michael about her. She was trolling Obama for not saying radical Islamic terror before. I remember whole, that. Like, yes. Yeah. She's like that. That that was how she was made. That's that's where she met the Booker at Fox <laughs> News. Right? Was like, I'll I'll come on there as a Democrat and say that Obama is a little bit soft on Muslims, and uh, and you know, <laughs> there's a Bernie endorsement. It's like, well. She said the Muslim thing. She does go to APAC quite a lot as well, those conferences. But you know what? She did back our boy. <laughs> and, you know, we'd take anybody at that point. Big tent, I guess. No, exactly. I mean, and look, I mean, I, I have, um, you know, I mean, I was, um, you know, we were talking about Bill Maher earlier. You know, the article I wrote about Bill Maher, Daily Beast. I mean, one of the things I said in there is like 99% of the article was shitting on him. But I mean, like I said, look, I mean, he did have that, like, brief swing to the left uh where he uh he was supporting bernie for a minute and if he came back great right absolutely wonderful <laughs> hey doors it's a hey, it's a revolving door and like i i definitely remember I, there's at least a couple times on tmbs that we would have would tell you to toast like you know gotta hand it to tulsi here coming through with the nice talking point at a, at a moment that's actually useful yeah totally right so it's like look i mean i've, I've had i am um I am all in favor of, you know, when people come around to your political positions, you should welcome them with open arms. But, um, and so, yeah, they did 2016. Sure. You know, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do to, to, to happily accept her support. But then if she's going to run for president herself, the fact that she had this history of uh, saying that, well, sure, Obama might be, you know, drone bombing American, American Tanger and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he's not willing to say the magical words, radical Islamic terrorism. And if you don't yes. say those words in that order, you're not really serious about this, right? Like that's relevant, right? Cause, cause you, you have to look at somebody's overall record to try to get a sense of how they're going to act in the future, which, you know, seems totally yeah. reasonable to me. I mean, and, politicians and this, do those things to, uh, you know, reach out to certain coalitions, yeah. right? <laughs> like, it's just a bit basic. Yeah, no, exactly, right? So, um, and and this this Chase and thing is, like, really bad. Like, I mean, this is, I, I don't think we should skip over this lightly, mm -hmm. right? I mean, this is, um, you know, like, we're talking about you know, a prosecutor who came in and they, they I think uh, Fred Jason put it really well, this is revolution, right? I mean, he did exactly what he said he would do, right? You know, like this is, and um, and then, you know, I, I think, you know, probably ran up against some of the limits of that, uh, that like one, uh, I think that, would at times when people are particularly concerned about crime, not that it actually went up under Boudin, but whatever, right? You know, then, um, you know, that it's it's very easy for you know to like paint that in a certain light. And I also think that like, 
you know, I also think there's like a built-in structural problem that like, okay, the people that you're really helping by having a more humane approach to, uh, to the prosecutor's office don't really throw around a lot of money or exercise a lot of political influence or frankly, you know, even vote that much. Right. So, you know, uh, for all sorts of reasons, it makes sense as an outcome, but I mean, this just seems really low to me to be like, Oh, see, you know, the people we're saying that, you know, that the, you know, we won't stand for this, you know, like, somewhat more humane approach you know, to, uh, to prosecution. No, and I think, and I think a, a, a centrist take would just be like, yeah, billionaires did spend a lot of money, but like crime is an issue, but she just went full sure. on. Uh, yeah. Oh, t- talking about the billionaires is just an excuse. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's objectively true. <laughs> that, right. Like what, what he's saying. And she's just like doing that, like stare, you stare old people in the face. Well, yeah, uh, and shout at them mentality. Yeah. Well, there's this posture that they're against the sort of like tech elites, but this was all driven by tech elites. Jason Calacinus, uh, who's like some sort of he invested in Uber and you know he did another, another, a few other nice investments, got some money to play with, started to go fund me the day Chase like, like one office say we need to like keep this guy accountable and hired some hack to like keep him accountable. And we see what that is, which is that. Like it's to extrapolate rising crime that is frankly happening everywhere because there's a pandemic yeah. and a giant inflation and people lost jobs and had their lives upended and there's mass death. Um, the people that's like one progressive prosecutor. Actually, it's two. It's Krasner as well. Like so, somehow those two guys <laughs> yeah. caused crime to, to yeah San Francisco, rise. Philadelphia. That between yeah, both them poles. they caused a national a national crime wave. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. uh, everywhere in between. Yeah, I mean that's, that's the thing. It's like look, I'm even I'm even with somebody who's willing to say I think that sometimes on the left our instinct is to like downplay worries about crime in ways that aren't helpful. I think it's very, I think it's like a real concern for a lot of working class people. And that's like, uh, I think Eric Levitz wrote something good about this. We actually had him on to talk about a while back. Um, you know, I, I would argue that you can acknowledge it's a real problem without adopting your enemy's solutions, uh, to, uh, to that problem. Again, Norway, much, much more lenient criminal justice system, much lower crime rates. So, you know, uh, I, I, I do think there are economic solutions uh, to this problem, but like you can even say, let's say for the sake of argument, the billionaires, you know, didn't play that big a role. I think they probably did, but they have a, let's say they did it. Um, you know, that all that was driving this was just like, you know, mass fears about crime. Well, okay. What are you going to say about that? If you're going to like go on a national, you know, cable news show like and you're going to comment on that what are you going to say about it like here's one thing that she could say right tulsi the progressive right she could say well this is a tragedy because then maybe it really shows that um if we just have these more reasonable you know criminal justice policies or maybe she even has specific criticisms of booty like we could get into them right but like you know that like having these having like uh, more lenient criminal justice policies without doing anything about the underlying root causes makes you vulnerable to backlash. And so of course, since, you know, local prosecutor, it's not like they can, you know, they could do anything about expanding the American welfare state. So this is like maybe an understandable tragedy about what happened, but instead she's not doing any of that, right? She's just like feeding into the Fox news scare grandma narrative about, um, you know, like liberal prosecutors and crime. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, what's interesting about this now is because there is like there's something to contradict what they're saying, which is like Eric Adams has been in office now. Um, people, <laughs> New Yorkers do not support the way he's responded to this. He's cracked out massively. And guess what? Do not feel safer on the subways uh, since Eric Adams. Uh, I've seen cops. Uh, I've I've seen cops patrol trains uh, one time since uh, uh, actually a couple times, but one time sticks out um, since this new presence on the train on the on the on the rail. Um, since they like let the guy who shot uh, people just waltz out um, until he turned himself in. But um, the, uh, it was like late at night and some delivery guy had his bike on. It was one of those electronic bikes and maybe you're not supposed to have those on the train, but he was clearly taking it home at the end of a night. Right. <laughs> and some cops get on and like, I'm just like, listen to my headphones. I don't expect anything. Cause there's no, there's no problems on the train. There's like eight guys, eight, eight people on the train entirely. And all of a sudden, like, I hear shouting and it's the cops harassing this guy until he leaves the gets off the train. So like, that's what they're, that's what like keeping us safe is now is to harass delivery guys at the end of the night. And, um, and, and again, it's like all these things that need to be addressed through like, I mean, things in the fucking Joker movie, right? Like to, uh, <laughs> offer mental health services. And yes. We could, right. Like it, it, this isn't a mystery what the problem is here. Um, it's not a bunch of cops going through with their hands and their belts, uh, like looking people up and down, making sure they're orderly or some shit like and 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 and, and I also think people are right to say that the perception of things being more dangerous um, even though like certain metrics in certain cities may have gone up, I do think it is, it's the visibility of the homeless, uh, uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that again, like, that's not a solution that like you do that. They don't need handcuffs, right? They need to be housed. No, exactly. I mean, I think that the, um, I, I, I mean, I think the way it's played out is awful. Uh, and, uh, you know, I actually think, um, you know, Fred, uh, Atticus Barry had got a lot of flack for pointing out some like correct aspects of this, you know, at the, uh, at the time that a lot of this argument was going on, you know, but I mean, I think that the, um, you know, I think the problem is that like, there is this sort of like awful neoliberal centrism where like this, where it's like, okay, we're not going to like provide people with housing and uh, mental health counseling and addiction services and all the things that people actually need who are like suffering all this human misery but we also won't arrest them. We'll just, you know, we'll just like let them yes. sleep in the park forever. Right. You know, that's yeah. like, that's not a very good solution. And it's one that like tends to, in fact, the longer you do that, the more support right. builds up for, for like the right wing carceral solution. Uh, but the, uh, but like also that, you know, just arresting people for like, for, for the crime of like not having a place to sleep is like, is, and, is uh, yeah. The horrible thing is, is it's like it's stuck in this debate between like two sides that are arguing like what we do with just absolute not enough resources. Like, right. do we just start arresting people and forcing them to go into places? Do we try to make like encampments safer somehow? And it's like, as long as real estate and an entire and honestly, not just a real estate industry, the entire like value to human beings of middle class people in general is tied up in their housing. Right. And like that right. contradiction of like making sure that investment stays nice and dear uh, so people can like retire off of it. And also right. um, we need to get people into houses like it's it, it's it's a contradiction. That's like it's just like there's no solution to it until, except just to like massively build houses uh and put people in them well it kind of reminds me of how like whatever president uh is in office gets credit for whatever economy like he happens to 
you know, preside over mm -hmm. where I feel like solving these criminal issues, I mean, you know, there's, you know, shocks like the pandemic that sure. caused crimes to rise. But the point is, is that it would take like a very lengthy approach, right, to actually solve crime at the root, because you're talking about change over generations. But then, you know, who happens to be in office, like whether it's Eric Adams or uh, a reformer is the one that gets, you know, like, gets blamed or, or, or gets the credit. So it's hard to have like an intelligible conversation with it because you're right. You know, if there's a lot of crime happening in your neighborhood, you want changes now, right? So I get I get that, yeah. but it's uh, no, that's I feel true. like I, the wrong people I would, I would point, no, I, I think that's for sure. I would also point out again, I mean, I think the, like, I mean, you're right, of course, I mean, that there are some things that, that are like gonna be very slow intergenerational changes, even in the best scenario. I mean, I think that's true. But I also think it's true there's a lot you could do that would like have a big impact on the crime rate like immediately. Right? Like like jobs programs, right? I mean, is, is an obvious example of something that's like gonna have an immediate impact on the crime rate. Or like if you if you don't uh if or if like, you know, the the kind of thing that you're concerned about is like uh is like a homeless guy shooting up in the park, uh then like provided housing. And also substance abuse counseling, right? That should should be part of that, right? I mean, like those are things that actually will, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, start that's, to get that's, some traction pretty quickly. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned the like Anna and Jason. Also makes this point, like things like safe injection sites that get popular, like those are good, but they are not panaceas. Like it, right. it won't just. It, it, you need like um, you need a lot more. Um, I, and I think like and I and I, I also think like campaigning for those things is absolutely right on sure. and uh and but like there, there's a i mean there's a and but there's, that, there's, there's something there's also just something horrible and depressing about the idea that that's like you know the limits of anybody's imagination right i mean that it's like oh well you know i don't know uh you're you're gonna be uh i i guess we'll just try to make this like just just horrified symptom of social breakdown we'll, we'll, we'll try to make it like a little clearer so, so yeah we, yeah we i guess know, i was so. thinking i guess i was thinking the the change in the crime rate is slow because we never actually do anything other than you know uh like actually uh, like input these things in america so yeah, I'm, at least i'm I mean, thinking about new york city you know yeah i mean i think there are some changes that would be I think there are certain aspects of crime problems that would be very slow to change but i also think there are things that would like uh, I, I think there are things that would make a difference right away would be my take. Okay, uh, we've yeah. got, uh, so I, I, I want to speed through Tulsi so uh, we could uh, we could get to Tim. So um, let's, uh, uh, so uh, let's see. Um, first, we have, I believe, a, uh, a, a clip from, uh, from Tulsi Gabbard's speech at the uh, Conservative Political Action Committee. Uh, do, we, uh, do we have that, Jake? Yeah, I think I'm missing. I that. I I I have um, here. I, I might be able to find it in the. Uh, I might be able to find it in the uh, the uh, video clips. Let me see. Uh, so it is. Yeah, here we go. Here is Tulsi uh, speaking at CPAC. My fellow Americans, as a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball. But tonight, I say we must move forward, not backward, upward, not forward. And always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Yeah! Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I promise I, that was a, that was a, that was a bit me saying that I that I uh, that I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> Not that I completely forgot about the joke that we 
hundred percent discussed. But anyway, go. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that is just what Tulsi's speech at CPAC reminded me of. Uh, I I watched the entirety of it while I was working out earlier today, and um, like ninety percent of it was was stuff that might as well be twirling towards freedom. Uh, she uh, she did get into a little bit of substance at the end. Uh, there is uh-oh, we lost Matt. Um, Someone said well, Matt is not a, Matt is not amused, but he was amused. He was just frozen, I think. So he'll probably be back. In a, he'll probably be back. He was cracking up, but I, yeah, I'm sure he, he'll be back in a second. Yeah, he actually was, but uh, but yeah. So, um, so but um, okay. So I, I I think you froze up sometime uh, sometime during the the Tulsi CPAC clip, but uh, I have. Um, but the the point is that uh, most of it, of course, I'm. That's not Tulsi. That's former President Bill Clinton. Uh, but um, the the point is that I watched the entirety of that speech. It's like, okay, maybe you know Tulsi at CPAC. Maybe this was stuff we can find. Eighty to ninety percent of it is just fluff, right? It's nothing. It's it's you know God is good, freedom is good, America is good, you know stuff like that. Um, the only actual, the close, you know, the policy stuff is there's like a little bit of stuff about cancel culture and online censorship at the end and uh, a little bit of culture war stuff. Uh, she, uh, she, she kind of refers to the parents in Loudoun County. So that's like a reference to like CRT things. Um, and, and, and I guess I just, want to make two points about this and then throw to you, right? One uh, is that I think that what's not there is maybe as important as what is there uh, because, you know, like, okay, not the CRT stuff, but like some of the rest of that, fine, right? You know, freedom is good, yay. Uh, you know, the toxicity is bad, you know, whatever, all fine. But if you're going to make a big thing about free speech, um, and frankly, especially if you're talking to Republicans, um, you know, I, it might be nice to challenge them a little bit with, uh, with, with, you know, by talking about, well, stuff like, uh, you know, I mean, without getting into the soap opera of Loudoun County and like, you know, and whatever, you know, defending everything that happened there, but like stuff like the CRT bans in general, which, which are obviously a, a huge attempt at, you know, at shutting down uh, discussion of, of ideas that they find dangerous. Um, you know, stuff like the, um, the uh, Republican state legislatures that have passed laws to go after the boycotts, divestment and sanctions uh, movement, uh, the Palestine solidarity movement, you know, to, uh, to boycott Israel um, stuff like you know the stuff like the laws that say like you know you can run over a protester with your car right that that, that all <laughs> seems those all seem like important free speech issues that she's that she's not talking about which i think is telling right because because she she's it seems like whatever her official politics is on a day-to-day basis right you know she's she's slotted into something of a role here and then the other point is that you know, I mean, without like, I don't know. I listened to like a podcast episode or two about the Loudoun County stuff. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I couldn't reconstruct in very great detail, you know, what happened there. But like, abstracted from that a little bit, like the fact that, you know, she's sort of doing this culture war signaling about on the theme of libs are crazy and you know social you know social justice stuff is crazy, 
And and she seems to do a lot of that these days, right? So I I think I think we had Andy grab the graphic of um, of her tweets from today, I think uh, today or yesterday, because they just announced this. So um, she she says this uh, good step forward. Uh, Fina, <sighs> uh, Swimming's world governing body just voted to ban most trans quote women unquote from competition. Just so dickish. All right, uh, but unfortunately, men who transitioned before age tw- I don't know why before age 12 is is in quotation marks right you know that just seems- <laughs> <laughs> yeah you spamming spamming the square quote a little bit <laughs> oh we'll be allowed to compete this may encourage boys to quote transition unquote before they're old enough to make such dangerous life altering uh, decision uh, uh, uh fina should allow the fair and safest policy all caps, no biological men should be allowed to compete against biological women, period. Mm-hmm. And this just kind of seems like, okay, A, um, you know, before talking about the politics of it, I think just in the sort of more principled question, um, whatever you think about the like finer details of exactly how, you know, this decision or if, you know, if, if there's a, a more trans-inclusive policy, that'd be better. And what do you think the hormone requirements should be and all that stuff? None of which I can claim any sort of expertise about, and I'm not going to try to weigh it on any of that stuff. Right. But whatever you think about the issue, just the fact that like, she even got what she wanted on this, but like, she's still like, no, not good enough. Right. You know, like, like we want, we need this to be absolute. There cannot be anyone Right, who has the wrong chromosomes? Who's ever doing this? I don't care if they have no physical disadvantages. I will come. Uh, no physical advantages because because they, you know, didn't go through you know, puberty as a boy. That there's, there's like no kind of competitive issue at all. I'll still come up with a reason it's bad. So the first thing is just a principle. This just seems, this just seems really cruel to me. Right. So that's the that's the first half. Right. But then like the the political half is, even if her positions on stuff like Medicare for all and all that were like better than they are, right? We went over that earlier. They're not actually that great, but like uh, even if they're better than they are, I think that if you're both, if you're, I, I sort of think you can't do both. In other words, like if you're, cause like what's the function of stuff like this for conservatives, right? Like why are they pushing this? Right. It's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm a cynical person. I don't really believe that every conservative in the country has start has developed an authentic burning passion for uh, athletic integrity and girls' sports, right? You know, I, I don't um, think that maybe, that. Maybe maybe Joe Rogan. I think he actually cares, but <laughs> I, think, I, I think I think Rogan might actually care. Yeah, uh, <laughs> see, like I think that's actually something you might get excited about. But I think like your average conservative political, I do not think they care, right? I uh, like I don't think before this issue came up they ever spent like a second thinking about women's sports, uh, maybe at all ever, right? Um, so why do they push this stuff? Why do they push any of this stuff, right? Because it's like, well, look, they can't, you know, if you're whatever, I mean, pick your favorite conservative, right? I mean, if you're, you know, Charlie Kirk or, you know, you're, you know, whatever, right? You know, just 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 pick one. Like, you can't exactly... And you want to say you like represent ordinary people against elites and all this stuff. You can't talk about healthcare, right? You can't talk about wages, you know, you can't talk about any of that stuff, right? Because then it, it gets very obvious very quickly, right? That you are in fact a servant of uh, of elites. So you have to you have to change the subject to all of this, right? You have to change the subject to like, you know, 
competitive rules and girls swimming and stuff like that. And it just, it just, um, I, I guess it just seems to me that if you're, if you're like aiding and abetting that shell game, right. Where like, instead of, instead of talking about the stuff that conservatives don't want to talk about, you know, we're going to get everybody riled up about stuff like this, that it sort of doesn't matter what your official position is on anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a big part of that. That's true. I mean, the, the GOP basically put the bigots on the bench uh, once the defensive marriage act failed and they realized like, Oh crap, we're going to lose this fight. And this yeah. is just the new way for them to, uh, to like, sort of like put them back in the game a little bit. Okay. All right. You can't just go after like the gay guy at work anymore. You have to go after drag Queens and trans people. Um, right. And then, and, and then we can play you. Right. Like that's, that's, that's the role we have for you in the game now. Um, I also, uh, there's a point though, um, that I'm taking yeah. from a, a trans author, Sean Fay, um, yeah. I believe is the name. Uh, and, uh, she writes that when you think about it, the government should, um, whether it's abortion, whether it's, uh, transitioning, uh, in terms of gender, the government should empower you to have bodily autonomy in the, in these respects. And yeah. it's the same way that the government should empower you to just frankly have healthcare in general right. and all in yeah. the through and the through line in all these arguments is that you can't trust people. You can't even really trust doctors. We need to get legislation involved here and and control the plebs and their crazy requests from these this doctor system, whether it's they yeah, want yeah. to transition or they want you know to get screened for cancer. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree about the the bodily autonomy um, the bodily autonomy issue, right? I mean, I think that the um, you know, I mean, I think that like, yeah, I mean, I think that like some of the you know, some of the edge cases about swimming and stuff like that, you know, whatever you say about that, you know, it, there's, you know, that, that's a whole, that's a whole rabbit hole of itself. But I mean, I think, I think this sort of general issue about like, yeah, that should you, uh, should you be able to, you know, should you be able to do what you want with your body? I mean, if you, um, you know, of course you should. Right? I mean, and I think there's also, a, there's also a very basic civil rights issue about, um, you know, I mean, when, when it comes to, you know, discrimination in general, which, um, you know, it's also, you know, when somebody like Tulsi, I don't know, I'd like to see her, you know, I know, maybe a good chance, although I think given the topic, it probably won't come up, but I'd like, I'd like to see her quizzed about, it's like, okay, I mean, you're putting like, you know, women in scare quotes and all this stuff, right? I mean, like, do you actually think like anti-discrimination laws should, should generally include, you know, um, should generally include gender identity. I mean, that's, this is, uh, cause you know, that seems, you know, I mean, there's, there is a much more, there is a much more basic issue there, but I also think like, you know, so that's like the principal issue. I mean, I think the political issue is just, okay. If it wasn't this, it would be something else. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. like yeah, if, yeah. if there was, if, if there were no, whatever, Leah Thomas didn't exist, whatever, like if, if there were no, you know, trans people in sports stories, to you know, get, to get people riled up about, they would find something cultural to get people excited about because they need to find something like that always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's um, let's do Tim Pool. So uh, the uh, you know let's load this up a little bit. Uh, so we have. Um, uh, so, uh, do we, 
I guess the place to start with uh, with Tim would be the uh, the clip where he's describing his politics. There, people don't seem to know what a centrist is, and you know you'll you'll end up with articles accusing me of being a right wing commentator whose who, whose political views are on the left. It's like, yes, have you considered? That's what a centrist is. I, I think for me, it's it, the challenge is that most people see everything as either left or right, and while idealistically, I'm probably kind of far left. But realistically, like trying to actually accomplish policies that move us forward, I'm probably a moderate left. Yeah, I mean, it's so um, Tim Bontos most recent video on Tim Pool is called Fence Sitter. And, uh, and he plays a whole bunch of clips where Tim Pool says, yeah, I'm a, I'm a milk toast fence sitter. And he just owns it. And it's infuriating because you know he's not he 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 tells the right wing what they want to hear as a centrist, uh, basically in in that. But I do have to say, like especially seeing him deliver it there, it's smart marketing. Like it's it's really smart. But and it annoys me that like I would love to be like I'm a centrist. I'm I, I, I I'm not for Hillary or uh, or Donald Trump. Uh, I'm here to hate Jeff Bezos. And it's like that that would actually be like I'm from the center, right? And it's like that that branding, Tim Pool, I don't think is I don't think he I don't want to phrase this. I don't think he exerts himself uh, a whole lot in terms of the understanding uh, department. Um, but as far as as far as like finding a lane, like I think he's 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 really found one uh with that like that because it's it, it is so like and i don't think a whole lot of people are i don't think i think a lot of like his audience is sort of in on the joke when it comes to that yeah. stuff but like uh, it, it, i gotta say like as far as like compared to like crowder who like is always gonna have like a limit on his ceiling because like nobody just wants like a nasty guy like that <laughs> i mean certain yeah. certain like young men do mainly um but to tim pool like for uh, for a guy like, I mean, the first bump steer we did on Left Reckoning was for Tim Pool because, and then that's like, you know, you, a bump steer, you don't want to be led in the wrong direction. <laughs> and it's like that he, he's, he can do that. And I think Jordan Peterson's a little bit like this too, because they don't, and, and Weinstein obviously too, and Tulsi, I guess this is like, this is a theme, but like, I think, I think Tim is actually, he's, he's probably the best at it maybe um, at this point. Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I think it's um, so when he says that he's far left in his uh, whatever, in theory, whatever it was he said, idealism, and yeah. and, uh, and moderate left in uh, in, in in practice. Um, I mean, we we did a whole segment on this, uh, la you know, last week. So I mean, I'm I'm not going to, um, you know, I will bear the lead here. I mean, like he voted for Trump, right? I mean, like, that doesn't, <laughs> yeah, doesn't seem it, either moderate or far left. Because Democrats went so far left with Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, Biden was too much for him, right? He voted yeah. for Trump. That's, you know. But nothing will fundamentally change, guy. Uh, yeah, that, that was too much for Tim Pool. Yeah, any, any, any moderate, anyone who's moderately left would run away from, from, from Joe Biden. But you know what's fun is to try to occasionally these guys, I don't know if Tim Poole's done it, but like Madison Cawthorn, when they have to like praise Joe Manchin, Blake Masters also did this, 
there's like this odd thing because it's like you don't want to just admit like oh you're the same thing basically it's like <laughs> oh i'm gonna do a crazy thing and i don't i like what do you really disagree with joe manchin about like like i mean that it's okay to sit with democrats at lunch like that's basically it yeah no exactly um and you know if you watch um you know kind of the port of the segment last week was like okay so um you know, we we went back, and since the the Thanos trolley problem stuff had come up again in the context of the Matt Binder debate, and um, uh, you know, Binder basically said, "I don't like philosophy. I'm not going to do that." But you know, we like philosophy, so we get us. We 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 took a look at that, and um, and it seems, you know, I don't think I don't think Tim Pool really understands what the trolley problem is. Whatever, skip all that, right? You know, they have a the the basic point is that the original context which it came up was talking about lesser evil voting and um and tibbs position at that point was that if you vote for like a centrist democrat to 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 get a right republican out of office you are because you're supporting evil against evil you might as well be pushing people onto trolley tracks, right? You might as well be Thanos snapping his fingers and eliminating <laughs> half the human race. Uh, like it's that know. is what we call voter blaming of the most <laughs> ludicrous kind. Like, I, 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 I really like that. That is so silly. <laughs> but what I mean, it is silly. But also, like somehow he went from that to I'm going to vote for Trump because like he'll create jobs or whatever he said, like at the, at like there are too many riots and, you know, Trump will restore order. Right. I mean, that's his position, which again, just doesn't, you know, I I don't want to beat this dead horse too much, but I mean, that just doesn't seem very left wing to me. Like that, that seems, you know, downright, downright right wing. (laughs) um, You know, on that same uh, point, uh, we, we have a clip of, um, uh, t- uh, Tim, uh, Tim Pool. Uh, I think this was uh, Rogan's previous set. The uh, the curtain behind him is a different color. But anyway, uh, we have uh, we have we have Tim Pool on uh, on Rogan talking about why he doesn't like socialists. And assume you know, I, I think there's some truth in that. You know that there's people who have money they didn't earn, and they're leeches on the system. They make money from money they've never done anything in their lives. Sure, they're arrogant. Sure, there's a lot of people like that. Right, but you know. When you then take that generalization and apply it to anyone who has money or everyone and, right. you, and you take it to a dark place. Exactly. When I when I first started, you know, entering the public space in terms of news and politics, I was at Occupy Wall Street. And before I had any notoriety, I was being heralded. They called me a good example of what's wrong with the system. Here's Tim Pool, a high school dropout, mixed race guy. And here he is just sleeping in a dirt park using his phone to tell the real stories of the world. After I got featured in Time Magazine, what did they say? Tim Pool is white and he was born with a silver spoon, which is not true. It's absolutely not true. But the, the, the socialist types, the activists couldn't accept that I had you know, jumped the, the, the class system, I guess. Their view of the world is rigid, that the rich people keep the poor down. There's no chance for upward mobility. And that's not the case. Mm, that's interesting. Um, there is a study by, I believe, a Harvard economist named Raj Chetty. Uh, this was from mm-hmm. like five years ago when I was researching for Vice News. Um, we're, there is, uh, you, know, you know, class mobility, income mobility in America. Uh, it is uh, significantly less than the mobility in Canada, for instance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have it here. It's fine. Uh, the only and interestingly, the few places, some of the few places 
with uh, mobility equal to uh, Canada was uh, my hometown uh, area of uh, North Dakota. And that's mainly because uh, charter schools don't super exist there and all public schools are really nice. And there is a huge amount outside of, you know, between reservation, white and, and, and indigenous, um, a whole lot of uh, income stratification. Um, so that's, um, so yeah, I mean, on in, like it, we all have this, like, well, who is that Horatio Alger or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, the, like, it's like, come on, we've been doing this for a hundred years. This stuff was, this stuff was 50 years old when like my grandparents were born. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they, right. So yeah, I mean, if, if you actually really, you know, if care, if upward mobility is your big issue, then, uh, but actually, yeah, they'd have a good schools having, you know, having a free college, right. Would all be, would all be good for that. Right. You know, cause there'd be more people, uh, you know, more people going to college and competing for the, the better off jobs, but also like, I guess it just seems like Tim just fundamentally doesn't understand what the point of socialism is. Right. You know, cause, mm-hmm. cause like his characterization of socialists, is that they um, is that they think that like all rich people you know they they think that like rich people all don't deserve don't deserve it but they don't get that some of them have worked hard and they do deserve it right and and, <laughs> right. Uh, and, and they think that uh, you know and they think that there's no upward mobility but there is some upward mobility and that that all just seems totally beside the point to me right I mean in terms of like why certainly. You know, I mean, any, really, anybody with even a vaguely left-wing critique of economic inequality—never mind anybody who's actually a socialist—like, why they have a problem with that stuff, right? I mean, that it's like, oh, so okay, so what you must be saying is that like the best and the brightest aren't rising to the top fast enough, that because that's like the only objection I can imagine to uh, mm. to, to our economic system, like yeah. rather than the, like we're actually objecting to the fact that like most people. Right, are going to stay where they. I mean, even if there's lots of upward mobility, right? Most people, by definition, aren't going to enjoy it, right? I mean, any hierarchical system, there are only so many slots at the top, right? I mean, most people, um, you know, I mean, like presumably, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're a socialist, you yeah. you actually care about all of the people who are not upwardly mobile, right? You know, and and right. you know, not yeah. just because some of them are special people who deserve to be upwardly mobile, but because you think everybody is significant and you want a more egalitarian society that's going to be better off for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky balance. How do you weigh, on the one hand, uh, a lot of people not getting enough to eat and feed their kids? I mean, on the other hand, a lot of people not being entirely fair to rich people and and thinking, like, overly negative about them. It's Politics is tricky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I don't, you know, anyway. I don't, I actually, I actually talked about this uh Last time I was on on Left Reckoning, but I mean I don't I don't really you know I think meritocracy is bad even as an ideal right I mean I, I don't I don't think that you deserve to have a good life if you're like particularly smart and talented and everybody else doesn't right. I mean like you know when you tie, think, yeah it's like it's like okay if it's if it comes down to like trophies okay sure when it comes down to like can you uh, live a materially sound life like I think no <laughs> like that's not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Are, are, yeah, are you saying that Steph Curry does not deserve his NBA championship? Like he worked he worked <laughs> very hard to get there, and uh, you know he shouldn't be revoked, which is what leftists would want. But yeah, I mean, it's also like it's kind of a really I feel like deeply misleading, unserious straw man because obviously you could find a leftist that is like all rich people are evil and her, you know, I mean, you could find like a caricature of any viewpoint and basically he's using that to critique the entire, like 
the entire uh, argument. But really, like, you know, you're not really going to find any serious thinkers or writers that like are yeah. Marxist at all and say that it's all about your character, like be essentialist like that rather than like the structure that people are in. So it's it's a, it's it's really shifty, but it's, yeah, it's yeah. effective, I guess, like to what you were saying. Although he can he, he can find one leftist that thinks all rich people make money with money. <laughs> like that that is what I think. That's like sort of the definitional thing of uh for me is like qual qualifying someone as a rich person or whatever. Well, like I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean making money with money is right. I mean it's the the that's you know MCM, right? Money, commodity, money, you know, from uh, yep. from capital. But uh but yeah, I, I mean, I just think like, look, do you have to think that every member of the feudal aristocracy was a terrible person to think that feudalism is bad? I mean, like, I don't, right. it doesn't seem like it, right? I mean, like, yeah. you know, that just seems like a separate question, right? Like, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, what, what we think of the individual moral character of participants in a system versus what we think about this, the system, you know, that, um, mm. so, okay, uh, that'd be my critique of Tim Pool on socialism, but we do need to move on to James O'Keefe. So just to, to finish up Pool. Uh, do um, you know we've we've been talking a lot about Tim's like values and political goals, but uh, just to finish up with Pool, do we have the clip of uh, of Tim as a political prognosticator? Let's see if I can find this. This is like the last Tim Pool. What I say, you know, we might not have gotten it. Um, yeah, I think we might be missing that one. We have a tweet. okay. That's a yeah. That's the it's the it's the yeah. If we we Tim can just Poole screen share. Screen. Yeah, we can just screen share. Okay, well that's not the. So we've got a tweet with an embedded video in it. Um, we could, uh, uh, while we've got this up, I should say, uh, so this is um, Tim Pool blaming the uh, Uvalde on uh, defund the police, which is amazing because uh, they actually, um, they actually recently, like the Uvalde police department was never defunded, right? And that's the big thing. In fact, they, they got this. Quite the opposite. Yeah, exactly. They actually got this massive uh, grant, uh, $532,000 from uh, the governor um, and another four hundred and thirty-five k to the school district. You know, every level of police and insecurity in Uvalde was, was being funded quite well. That is not the issue here. Uh, and certainly had not had their funding decrease. And that's just him being a little dishonest, I think, or at the very least uh, not, not bothering to check before he tweeted. Uh, but we, uh, but yeah, okay. If you don't have it, I can just screen share it, Jake. Let me just uh, let me grab it. Um, so here we go. Share, share screen. All right. So this is, as I said, the Tim as a electoral forty-nine state prognosticator. We may be looking at a Mondale Reagan type scenario where Trump landslides 49 states. Like Tim predicted a 49 state landslide for Trump. Haha, <laughs> Tim was wrong. Of hypothetical and hypothetical hypotheticals the hypothetical hypotheticals hypotheticals I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I think they're cheating. I think Trump's going to landslide. I think Trump would have had a landslide no matter what. No matter what. I think the polls are fake. And I think what's happening now is Trump's going to win and they're going to say, ah, oh, but he didn't really win. I think Donald Trump is looking at a potential landslide.
I'm not exaggerating. Um, I, there, there's been periods where in the past where I was like, Trump's going to landslide for these reasons. And then there was some negative things that happened. And I'm like, wow, that's starting to look bad for Trump, actually. Now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be more convinced that Trump is on track for a landslide. Notably, he's going after New York. Boom, there it is. The Democrats didn't buy any of this ad space. Why? Donald Trump's going to win. Trump is going to win. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, absolutely convinced. I think what's going to happen is that Donald Trump is going to win cleanly on election night. And I think they knew Trump was going to win. I think they knew their polling was breaking. I think they knew that Trump voters were lying about who they supported because of peer pressure and pressure from, you know, mainstream media. Biden's not campaigning. I think Kamala and Biden might be throwaway candidates. They know they're going to get steamrolled in the election. And we may see a, a 49 state landslide, maybe a 50 state landslide. That'd be amazing. Well, that would be yeah. amazing. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you know what, Ben, this is, uh, you know, dishonest editing after all of those clips. He's like, but can you imagine if I was really like that? And then like, you know, <laughs> his just cracked up and uh, it was really. I mean, <laughs> what's amazing about that is you can tell why you would like that if you were like a Trump fan, but like, sure, you know, wasn't like identified with the Republicans or everything like, oh, damn, this is fucking catnip. I also think it's like interesting just how well that coheres to like a. Uh, Jan six that's overturned the election count style thing. Like, is, I I wonder how much uh, of Tim's audience um, is uh, is sort of like toned in those waters, or like was led to like believe things. Like, I mean, there's there's plenty to be said about what uh, Tim himself said about the election, but uh, I mean, you'd be sure. gassed up and not be expecting Joe Biden to win if you watch that guy. Yeah, no, this is this is very true. Um, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. I, I, I guess uh, I, I guess he did say, "Wouldn't that be amazing?" And you know, and, and hypothetically, uh, that that would be amazing if that thing that there was never any chance that would happen had uh, had New happened. York. So there you go. He might win New York, <laughs> yeah. guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, which I don't, I don't think uh, you know. I, I don't think even if we did a poll of like people who were like actual participants in the riot on Jan 6. I, I, I don't think any of them think that, uh, that Trump won New York. So, <laughs> <You're right>. uh, <laughs> okay. Um, so last, but certainly not least, uh, we have, uh, we have James O'Keefe. Uh, and uh, I want to make a really specific point about James. Cause like, you know, Tulsi and Tim, because they both have a certain political ambiguity about them. So we spent a lot of time kind of trying to ferret out like where they stand James, I don't think that's an interesting question. I think that you know, I think he, I think he is very comfortable with his conservatism. Um, but uh, I, I do want to make a really specific point about uh, his politics as they address the actual subject that we're we're supposed to be debating. Right. So the the title of the, uh, you know, the title of the the panel is uh, media uh, media media manipulation. What's the source of the problem? Uh, which you know, of course, um, you know. One source of the problem is James O'Keefe, but uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, that's uh, it's also uh, you know 
if you're concerned, right, you know, about uh, manipulation of media, meaning either like false things get promoted or legitimate perspectives get shut down or, you know, you're not, um, uh, you know, you're not free to, to discuss things, uh, then it, it seems to me that you really need to be talking about, you know, a couple things. But um, the one that's going to be most relevant for where we're going right here is why is it? You know, that like, if you're, if you're really concerned about, you know, about free speech uh, and not just the speech of like, you know, people who own big media platforms, but like anybody's speech, right? Anybody's ability to like speak their mind and, you know, not suffer bad consequences from it. Then like, any normal person, assuming that we're talking about a society like the contemporary United States, where you're not just going to like be put in prison or whatever, you know, saying the wrong thing, like any normal person, like what's your number one concern about like something that would be bad that happens to you if people get like really pissed off about something you say? Like what, what would they, what would, yeah, you get fired, of course. Right? So, okay. So given that, you would think that if you had a if you were really concerned about this issue, what you would want is a society where it's hard to fire people, right? Where they, there's some there's some sort of like process that you go through. You know, you can't be just fired arbitrarily, right? You know, you get some due process. People have to really prove that you did something bad enough. You have to specify, perhaps in some sort of contract, uh, which things you can and can't be fired for. Uh, so, Jake. What would an institution be that would uh, that that would that would uh, allow people to to achieve these things at their workplace? Uh, a labor union. I was trying to think of a joke, but I couldn't 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 even. Think yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, a labor union, right? I mean, like, yeah. so uh, if if this guy is really serious, right, about free speech, you'd, you'd think he'd be super duper pro union because I mean that's that's the that's the biggest reason that you know, like that's the biggest consequence you know, people face right now, you know, if, if they do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, right. They, they can be fired. Um, so you'd think that he would be uh, super duper pro union, you know, what everybody to unionize. Right. So, so, so you can't fire anybody, right. You know, without having real protections and, you know, due process and like a union rep who could represent you in that process to make sure you don't get railroaded. And yet, uh we uh we have uh actually pretty early in the saga of project veritas which you're gonna be able to tell as soon as we start watching these clips because there is a uh, i'm not going to spoil it but there is a pretty dated cultural reference that <laughs> these uh that these videos center around um pretty early in the saga of project veritas they spent a lot of time going after specifically teachers unions in new jersey so um, let me just um, let me just see if we can give you uh, the first. Uh, so we have um, uh, so do we have the the volume one or whatever the yeah. uh, the first the first first of these. Get ready. The following is a paid program for teachers' unions gone wild. 
What happens when you take the upper echelon of teachers and union leaders in New Jersey? Uh, this is for the upper echelon leaders of the NJPA. And bring them together into one lavish hotel? It can only add up to one thing. One wild and crazy NJEA leadership conference. Get ready to get down with some dirty teachers who will school you on how to have a good time. Everybody, NJEA, get down. No, this is my first year of teaching. You get so much free shit. That's why we're laughing here. We're like, ha ha ha, playing video games on their side. Um. I would just say, uh, good if teachers have nice conferences. <laughs> like, what you want, uh, what like Bitcoin scammers to be the only people that can rent out a conference center? Um, <laughs> like, I think that's fine. I, um, just to note, like, yeah, so James O'Keefe went to Rutgers, uh, and he, uh, his first sort of stunt was complaining to the administration, uh, as an Irish person that Lucky Charms was offensive. And uh, and that got and and the administration actually listened to him um, until they realized that he was filming them. <laughs> like, uh, can you turn that camera off? He's like, oh, I don't know. and then that was it. <laughs> it that went that went viral enough for him to like get picked up by Breitbart, so he could you know. Uh, actually, Ben, you should go dressed as a pimp <laughs> to the. <laughs> <first speech. laughs> yeah. Just show up uh, on <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, in fact, James O'Keefe, uh, shamefully, uh, was a philosophy major at Rutgers, but that was about ten years before I got there, so uh, I, I, I had no role in educating James. Uh, so just for the uh, just for the record, but um, yeah, I mean, this is so. This is like, um, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's kind of funny that like it's the lavish hotel, but they're trying to come up with like some of the like. Oh, what are they doing on you know your you know whatever you know inflated salaries that are paid for these union dues that are paying for them to rent a hotel for the weekend? They're playing video games. Like, yeah, I was I was all ready to be like, yeah, you know, sometimes you uh, you know maybe sometimes money is misspent. I was ready to backpedal, but I was like, they're ha- they're at a conference. Like, yeah. like that is the most basic thing an organization could have you couldn't get someone doing a bump of coke like, I mean, well well well, what, well well hold hold that thought actually oh, okay. uh, but uh, <laughs> but well, yeah i, I mean just, I want to say one the, the video thing. games it's just such a weak example right it, it does not that does not cost anybody very much money but go on they're playing pop um, they're playing pop a shot on our dime yeah. you know it's uh, <laughs> they get more to- more and more tokens off of uh, our taxpayer <laughs> our tax money O'Keefe's somebody who's gotten multiple people fired with his um, with his journalism um, for whether it's like the 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 pimp thing or the like faking a uh, I think a, a kidnapping thing that um, anyway yeah um, that's all in Tim Bonto's video as well. Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, uh, and. There is, uh, well, actually, since you since you mentioned it, we yeah. can't we can't skip ahead to the drug one. So let's, I think let's so. Just, yeah. Let's okay. Go yeah. Ahead and do that. Maybe this is not how you think. This is how I think. I'm a teacher. I'm not driving around fucking weed in my car, <laughs> but I'll have it delivered to my house. And now. <laughs> I should say uh, that that later in the clip he actually does offer him some coke. So that that is actually true, right? That that he brought some coke to the conference and he did some. 
I will I will say um, you know maybe it's just that I lived in Miami for six and a half years and uh, you know but that doesn't strike me as a capital crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean um, I, I said that because like that would be the sort of thing where I'd feel like at least you could come home with that. I mean it is a conference; people are going to bring party drugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, what world do people live in? <laughs> Scandal! You, like adults are adults. That yeah, can you believe that teachers in their personal time when they're not with students? partake in like illegal drugs it's yeah uh, yeah well, and, well you know, no, that, that's the, that's the thing that most hit me about that clip that's why i wanted that specific part right if it's not the most salacious part that comes after he offers him the coke you know which again it as you said it's a conference people are gonna bring drugs right i mean this is have you ever been to a conference of anything right you know that's uh <laughs> but like also you know i guarantee you at cpac there were there were people who you know there were people who showed up with that right you know that's uh, like <laughs> there's no doubt whatsoever I mean, about that. There. <laughs> that's true that's true <laughs> uh, but but like what what i really like about that clip though is like just the i mean like look if they were just doing the bump of coke whatever i still think it'd be silly to freak out about it but like they're making an issue right they they felt the need to include that clip right that like this heavily edited thing that he is saying, and he even says in the clip, "Look, it's not like I'm bringing weed to school with me, but sure, <laughs> right? I'm delivering my house, right? It's like yes. So when I am not at work, right, <laughs> then like most American adults, at some point or another, I'll smoke weed, right? Like let's exactly uh, uh, okay, <laughs> like yeah, that's." <laughs> You know, I mean, if, the paranoia if, about teachers is wild. Like, I mean, I mean, just to bring Tulsi back up again, like Tulsi's not only doing the ultra on the like no transitioning um, thing, um, she was also um, doing no sex education. You need to be 18. <laughs> so she's going like, back to the 80s. Like, not only like should we like not you know be be very careful about what we say in front of first graders not fucking senior high school that's too early for tulsi gabbard to be like talking about sex in schools that's that's yeah, just you, between you, you and the parents now well, okay the parents fair enough i was gonna say you know you get the birds and the bees at your college orientation right you know that's uh like <laughs> nothing before that yeah it's it's stop it buzzed was my orientation and this is what sex is and don't <laughs> We're all there to learn what sex is, freshman orientation. But yeah, I mean, is it kind of like a, it's like a loophole. If you're trying to be, if you're trying to faint to be libertarian, it's like kind of a loophole where you're like, uh, you know, kids aren't people yet. So we can like, you know, decide what's right for them. And and that's kind of like where we get to like flex more of our authoritarian uh, impulses. I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but I don't know as much about O'Keefe. Is he, would he be like, oh, I'm kind of like a libertarian or he'd be like, yeah, no, I actually like, you know, um, think that we should be legislating like what happens inside people's homes and stuff like that. That's a good question, actually. (sighs) Yeah, that's a little hard to say, but I I think that like he's so focused on sort of finding, uh, you know, progressives doing things that he finds outrageous, right? You know, that like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. uh, I don't know if there's a good state. I don't know that there's a good James O'Keefe equivalent of Tim Pool explaining he's a centrist because he's, you know, far left, but he does for, you know, whatever he was, whatever he's trying to say. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think there's even that for, uh, for James O'Keefe or if there is, I haven't found it. And if anybody knows what it is, please send it to me before Saturday. But, uh, but, but I just, yeah, I agree like, with Mr. Slaw there. Yeah. I don't think he gives a fuck. <laughs> I think he's like, he wants to find embarrassing stuff that gets him attention. 
and you know what the republicans do with it like as long as he keeps getting invited and getting bankrolled uh you know i i imagine that's all he gives you know what's funny about that clip you're saying it's embarrassing imagine like showing that to the average student like if it's a high school student and you see that your teacher (laughs) is like doing coke on the weekend you'd be like this is the least embarrassing oh my god yeah Yeah, mr label's awesome Exactly. Uh, well, I do have one thing about the legislation, but to, uh, well, actually, I guess this is as good a time as any. I will say that, uh, so I, I had a feeling we were like prepping this episode. I had a feeling there'd be a bunch of teachers who did stuff just because that seemed like that would be something that he would not be able to stay away from. And I was right. Uh, but so I looked at the website of Project Veritas, you know, where it has a bunch of these clips. And on there, they have this little thing. It, the structure of this kind of reeks of like this is for donors right so they can kind of see the results they're getting for their work right you know that there's a there's like here's the clip here's an explanation of what's going on in the clip and here's the like the victories that we had as a result of it right like at the end and it's like your grubhub driver taking a video of your delivered order <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so um, and in that uh and in the results thing they, they did brag about uh chris christie uh, uh, signing a bill that uh, that uh, that uh, weakened uh, tenure for for teachers in New Jersey that you have to do four years instead of three years before you get the due process protections and you you know it's easier to it's easier to fire people at various points so okay. um, so they did they do see this as a victory they see this as a good thing right so that that is one legislation thing I see but the I also want okay. So do we have? Uh, so let's let's just do the other O'Keefe ones quickly because I think I think it all makes it all makes the point here, right? So I think we have like a a little part two within this video uh, if if we got that. So let's do that first. And watch out! No one can stop this wild party. Not even New Jersey's governor Chris Christie. Yeah, let's have a whiskey and get a little misty. Join me now at Slender Chris Christie. The education system is not good with the current uh, the governor, you know. No. It's not good. Yeah, no, it's, it's the whole thing seems like it's a mess. Uh, you could make it out there, but the subtitle said Christie is a fuck. Uh, so there's there's a lot of, uh, and then we have the the Christmas one, which is pretty much more of the same. We've got that. From the guys who brought you teachers' unions gone wild. Which was the night before Christmas, when all through the house. The holiday season is a time for giving. Not a creature was stirring. A time for joy. Not even a mouse. A time for peace. The governor cut the budget? Yes. What, what did he base that on? It's a bastard. It's a bastard. He's what? <laughs> <laughs> I just called the governor a bastard and I don't know who you are. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm very uncomfortable talking to you. Teachers gone wild in I'm New really Jersey. I'm really sorry. That's okay. I'm I'm just not comfortable. Could I? Teachers gone wild, and there's a gentleman out there in in the in the public quoting people. It's happy holidays from the teachers' union. You can expect the presents under their trees will be plentiful. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. Because under tenure policy for union teachers, it's always Christmas in New Jersey. 
But if, I mean, uh, how long would it take me to get tenure in, in, in this day? Three years and a day. Three years and a day. Do you mean you're completely secure if you got tenure? Yes, yes, yes completely. Just, Unless, like, you know, like beat up a kid. <laughs> 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 but you've actually got to beat a kid up, in other words. And in keeping with the holiday spirit, these union teachers have some warm season's greetings for Governor Chris Christie. Yeah, he's a nut. <laughs> he, cut, he cut Montclair $4 million last year. Is he... Oh, no, he's a liar. Really? Oh, yeah, he's a liar. Oh, I hate to be in his family. With our new governor, he's cutting back on a lot of our resources. I mean, is, is he that crazy? Yeah. Just he's anti-education. We hate him. Really? Oh, yeah. You hate him? He, uh, he has been on, in our opinion, a vendetta against teachers. We don't know what a teacher ever did to him along his life. Britain. That's why our governor hates us. He just hates the teachers' union. We have like two and a half more years of him. I feel uncomfortable so far just by virtue <laughs> of my surname. My name is actually Kevin Christie. And every time I say <laughs> no, say no more, say why? no more. Why? Just make sure you don't eat on your no relation. Really? I mean... Make sure you tell everybody no relation. <laughs> no, I'm no relation, I promise you. There arose such a clatter. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Right. There's probably something in it for him. His big push is for charter schools, and charter schools can make a profit, and then he's got business connections. Well, he's, he's really pushing um, to move up in the political world. If you, if you follow the money, it's like some, yeah. somewhere the money will be coming back. They, you can make a profit, like you can hook in with Cory Booker down in Newark. Right. And with that <laughs> also true. of $100 million. He's trying to bridge the deficit that we have in the state of New Jersey. And is that a good thing? No. And have you been naughty this year? Afraid to receive coal in your stocking? If you're a union teacher, don't worry about it. Teachers first, kids second. Wow. <laughs> Why did they include that? That was like I was like learning. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, so no, that's, that's can we get her on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I would absolutely, absolutely, I would have her on. But the, uh, but like, it, it just seems like so the, the two things in this video. One, the point they ended on that uh, you actually have due process protections before you get fired as a teacher in New Jersey if you've been there for a few years, which apparently James thinks is a really bad thing. Uh, some of the other videos in the series that we did clip are basically just like under, you know, James or other undercover Project Veritas people, but, you know, talking to like union officials and being like, well, what if I do this bad thing? You know, then will the union represent me in the process? And they're like, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's how that works. Right. You know, like, uh, which is like saying like, you know, that you've really got done a gotcha for a criminal defense attorney when you're like, so what if I was accused of murder? Would you still defend me? It's like, yeah, the criminal defense attorney, right? I mean, what, that's that, that's my Double job. Murder, <laughs> triple murder. <laughs> it's like, yes, if you're accused <laughs> of a crime, I'll defend you, right? Like that. This is a good thing that you have, you know, work, you know, workers' organizations that can that can help people through the process and make sure that they're not being railroaded. But the, um, um, and you know, even if somebody really did it, it's good to you know to have to prove it. Right? You know, that you, they have to prove that they really did the bad thing and that it really was that bad. You know, that that's that's these all seem like good things to me. But then so that's half of it. Right. They're just outraged about that, that it's not easier to fire teachers in New Jersey. But then the other half is like, oh, my God, did you know that unionized like activist teachers in New Jersey really hate Chris Christie? <laughs> it's like, I don't yeah, know. They I mean, seem to be, they seem to be giving a lot of good reasons. 
it's like apart from intent which is to be like you know a bootlicking snitch for america's bosses that's some of the best journalism i've ever seen <laughs> like it's it's honestly like found footage like to see these women express themselves and hey hit cory booker like motherfucker like if you if you weren't just like a republican hack or like a pro corporate hack you understand like this is not just someone attacking a Republican. They're attacking a class of politician that is like, you know, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but elite. Like, and they <laughs> want to, they want to hollow out public education for profit. And they, all those teachers give you that. And they, and right from, right from like, I mean, it's, this, it makes me feel ashamed. Like we should be doing this sort of stuff, except like, I yeah. guess the problem is like, you get people to speak candidly then right, right. it does feel like you're exposing them right but like and so it's like there's there's something that's kind of like sort of like yeah yeah i mean, I mean it's it's right because because people are afraid as you see in the clips they're afraid to be caught say these things because they're worried that if they speak their mind about these important issues that affect them that despite the bring you know, despite the teachers you need being there that you know that that'll, that'll still be used against them that it'll still be bad you know like which i mean but they're not I mean, what they're saying is like, look, here is a list of actually very well thought out complaints about how horrible Chris Christie was as the uh, as the governor of New Jersey, right? Like, what were they wrong about exactly? Yeah, you go from like the systemic analysis of charter schools to like psychoanalysis of something a teacher did something to him, but like that's all like that's like that's I put that in time capsule. Like, I would love to hear what like teachers like a hundred years ago we're saying about their governor that is absolutely fascinating yeah no and, and, and right i mean that that they they seem to have a good analysis of it uh that you know and like, right about the, it's so they're wild, right about man. the charter like, schools they're right that it's bipartisan but yeah you were so right i mean it's just so wild like that that clip is like yeah we're they're cutting our resources and it's like yeah go chris Christie. Christie. look at how awesome he is it's like i uh, I feel like I'm like going crazy. How how like unless you really narrow casting this to a certain like I mean Breitbart audience, it's basically like, to anybody else that just seems bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it it does make me wonder what like random any random person who happened to to come across this this footage ever thought about it, right? I mean, even in, I mean, obviously, um. You know, it has been many moons since I've seen a Girls Gone Wild commercial. So, so this is this is all wild in the past. But uh... okay. it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant idea. Like, let's take like the weaponized misogyny of Girls Gone Wild <laughs> and aim that at teachers. Like, it's a perfect plan. Yeah, I think Girls Gone Wild was mostly the girls giving like very nuanced critiques of misogynistic culture, <laughs> and it's like, can you believe it? Like, <laughs> These sorority girls are in Cancun, and you won't believe what they have to say about daycare and abortion access. Yeah, they would probably react. Yeah, they'd probably react the same way to their their core audience. Hey, equity! <laughs> <laughs> Look at this wacky girl. She's talking about consent. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like it's like a more perfect union video, but just like clandestinely shot, but like making like the same points basically yeah it's uh not not one of his greatest hits i guess yeah fair enough okay uh well uh we uh we have we have done the full hat trick of uh of tulsi uh tim and james um 
and I do want to uh, I do want to get to the post game uh, with uh, with Rob Larson, but first, um, if uh, we should, um, <laughs> uh, I I have. Uh, Trust me, I was uh, even if I had been inclined to to buy videos from infomercials uh, in 2010, uh, the uh, I uh, I, w- I would not have uh, you know just 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 for cheapness alone, right? That wouldn't have happened. So, case uh, <laughs> um, let's um, let's do uh, let us uh, let's get Andy back uh, and uh, and let's 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 transition to an entirely uh, happier topic. Which, uh, which is some election uh, results that just happened, um, and I should I should actually say uh, that while we're while we're doing this, there are the second one is a much bigger deal than the first one, but the first one's still a big deal that the uh, that uh, that in France, uh, Emmanuel Macron, as uh, a shitty, awful neoliberal party, just lost their absolute majority to a left coalition uh, left uh, uh, by uh, Mélenchon. I should say uh, our collective grandfather had a good tweet about that. Uh, if we uh, have that, he says, uh, Bernie Sanders says the French elections given the choice between progressives who want to increase taxes on the rich or right-wing extremists who are viciously anti-immigrant. The pro-business centrist party of Macron just couldn't make a choice. There is a lesson to be learned here, uh, which is uh, actually a little understated for a Bernie tweet, but you know. You get the idea. It, it's understated, but also kind of more pointed uh, uh, critique of a party uh, or warning than, um, well, I, I'm used to from Bernie, so I like that. Yeah. Don't fuck this right. up, guys. <laughs> even though you're definitely going to, even though you're telegraphing that you're absolutely going to. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, but... The uh, the one that we really want to talk about, uh, and uh, and you know, actually pour one out, have uh, have uh, um, you know, um, yeah. So uh, celebrate. Uh, we have a tweet from uh, British Bernie about this one. So uh, the absolute boy, Jeremy Corbyn, says. Uh, Incredible news from Colombia with the election of a socialist president who has shown the power of community organizing. Uh, to uh, build a popular policy platform to heal the divisions of the past and bring about social justice. Uh, Felicidades y solidaridad, uh, Petro uh, Gustavo. Um, so before we um, before we toast and finish up the main show and go to the post game, uh, let's. Um, Matt, do you do you want to? Do the honors here. Just, just, just say just a second about like why this, why this election result in Colombia is quite such a big deal. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not the expert on Colombian politics, so otherwise to know that it's been uh, extremely uh, war ravaged and uh, right wing for a large number. Uh, uh, I mean, decades, decades, maybe a century, um, and that they're a big client of American. Uh, I mean, particularly anti drug war stuff. And one thing that I'm always i always think about with like we wonder why it takes so long for us to end the drug war domestically and part of it like might be just like we want to like control and continue controlling people domestically like and not the options that gives cops but also we have these partnerships worldwide (laughs) where they are um still i mean uh, you know um and we can't really let them down either so I, i mean 
from a American perspective, um, it's I'm curious, like as this, like I don't know if this is a second wave uh. of the pink tide or whatever's going on now. Um, if like uh, how how that plays out in it, because I've I've that's what I, that's what my my suspicion has been with why the drug war lingers. It's because it's a global policing, uh, it's a global like police empowerment um, uh, thing. So I mean. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Petro seems uh, like uh, I, I've seen him described by, as like a sort of Bernie style reformer um, uh, in a country that has never seen that <laughs> ever. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, good luck to him and uh, keep him safe, I think, is my instinct there. Yeah, I mean, like just like you know, people who you know may remember, you know, if you remember the early 2000s, right, you know, they were very... Uh, you know that that there were credible accusations that Coca-Cola or its contractors in Colombia were uh, were using uh, right-wing death squads to uh, to kill union organizers. I mean, this is uh, you know uh, like I think a lot of times with Latin America, I think I think from a distance it might be hard to realize that like even very mild social democratic platforms, you know, just just re- I mean my God, I mean, look at the response to Lula, you know, and like how like relatively little in the greater scheme of things he actually, you know, managed or even tried really to, to change, you know, as, as, as president, you know, but I mean, like just the, the sort of deeply entrenched local oligarchy, you know, with the um, back into the United States, you know, still, you know, like was willing to move heaven and earth to, uh, to get rid of him. Right. You know, so, I mean, this is, you know, this is a big deal and it makes me very happy. And, um, and it's it's actually maybe the only reason, uh, definitely the only reason that I I'm, uh, there's some small part of me that's actually happy that Henry Kissinger is still alive to uh, to see him <laughs> just get elected uh, all over Latin America. <laughs> so uh, uh, we will uh, we will end on this. But uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. Left his best. <laughs>